spiritually transformative sweat lodge so if you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny southern california to get help i cannot suggest oro enough hey guys i want to tell you all about our very good friends at sober buddy who also sponsor the show it's an amazing app that's super available to you if you need some help getting or staying sober it's the little blue fluffy guy you may have seen in sober memes on instagram or facebook i love the sober buddy app because it not only gives you challenges that help you get sober, it helps you think differently about your life. It has a sober tracker down to the second, daily check-ins that give you advice based on your mood, cute motivational memes, and helpful tips too. Over 60,000 people have already used Sober Buddy to help them get sober, and they have been featured in over 70 news stories. The Sober Buddy app is available in both the iTunes and Google Play Store, or you can check out their website at YourSoberBuddy.com. Check out Your Sober Buddy. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Evolution Accounting and Consulting. 
They are a full-service accounting firm that can help you with your taxes, bookkeeping, payroll, and almost any other business need you may have. Thanks to technology, they work with people from all over the country and pride themselves on building exceptionally strong relationships with their clients. They say that their passion allows you to pursue yours because they understand the stress caused by worrying about taxes and accounting issues. When you allow them to take this off your plate, you'll be freed up to focus on what you love to do. And perhaps more important than anything else, the firm is run by a fucking crackhead. That's right. A fucking crackhead. Fortunately, he's been in recovery for years now and knows the struggle as well as the success. Use the promo code DOPEY when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com to receive special discounts. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and I'm now at home, and it's been a wild and wooly week. There's so much going on. It's a very exciting show. Lots of thrills and spills and the return of a special guest, and we'll get to all of that. But first, we have to talk about this weekend, this weekend is the Dopey Zoom Marathon. Starts today, March 25th, and it goes till the 27th. So that's if you listen to the show on Friday or Saturday, you can jump into the Dopey Zoom Marathon at the end of Saturday night. I will be doing a free Dopey Patreon Zoom. If you want to come in and hear the state of the Dopey Nation. Uh, please do. The Zoom ID is 804-300-586. The password is Toodles. And it's a million meetings from today until, uh, I guess, Sunday night. So check it out. And if, and if you can't go then, just go to Dopey Zoom another time. It's always going. There's like 25 meetings a week when it's not a marathon. So check that out. Subscribe to Dopey YouTube. There's so much stuff coming out all the time. And if you subscribe to Dopey YouTube, watch a couple videos, please. And then maybe like some and comment. Just do all that shit. And, and maybe more importantly, join Dopey Patreon. There's so much good stuff on Dopey Patreon. This week I interviewed uh, the guitar player from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Ricky Bird. That's exclusively on Patreon. B. Getz did an incredible special on Jerry Garcia last week on Patreon. Aurora was on Patreon last week. Aaron Carr was on Patreon last week. Charlotte, the video of Charlotte on Patreon. Check all that out, please. Check out the new candles. There's amazing candles. We're in a, a partnership with a company called North Avenue Candles, and you can check it out on our Instagram page, on the website, or just go to northavcandles.com slash collections slash dopey. Candles are nice. Uh, we've got tons of a beautiful merch. Uh, go to dopeypodcast.com. There's amazing shirts, tank tops, long sleeves, hoodies. Buy it at dopeypodcast.com. That's all made by SRO Prints, our printing partner out of Cincinnati, Ohio. For your printing needs, go to sroprints.com. I just ordered super cool new stickers. I ordered sticker sheets. Sticker sheets. They're pretty sweet. 
And there's new actual die-cut stickers of Todd. There's the new Dopey based on They Live sticker. There's a lot of cool stickers. A lot of cool stuff. I also have, of course, Dopey snapbacks, Oy Vey snapbacks, the Big Bird beanie, or I think we call it the Big Bud beanie, whatever. Listen, that's a lot of advertising really quickly. But I do appreciate everybody who supports the show. It means everything to me. The community is incredibly strong. Dopey Nation is incredibly so strong. This Zoom marathon is incredible. Um, and I feel really good about where we're at with the show. So that's a lot of good shit at once. I'm very excited for today's show. We have a legend of hip-hop, a legend of sports commentating, uh, one of the more hard-working men in show business. He doesn't like it when people say that, but he's... He has so many things. He has so many different elements of his uh, professional broadcasting career. He's a total hero of mine. His name is Peter Rosenberg. Maybe you know him from the legendary Juan Epp podcast he does with DJ Cypher Sounds. Or maybe you know him from the Michael K show on ESPN. Or maybe you know him as a WWE commentator. Or, or maybe you know him as the morning DJ at legendary hip-hop New York Station Hot 97. But however you know him, his name is Peter Rosenberg. I interviewed him for The Last Jewish Waiter. We lost the footage. I always was like, man, Peter Rosenberg is a really interesting guy. And, and I told him about Dopey, and he was like, I'm interested in coming on. So we set it up, and he came to my dad's house. But before we get to Peter, I need to cop to the fact that I made a mistake. And the mistake I made, I had a... Uh, a fan favorite back on the show, the great downtown Ray Brown. He's back this week. Somehow I deleted the first five minutes of Ray on the show. So we're about to start the show with Ray, and I just want to give you a sort of play-by-play -play of what you kind of missed. Ray came in. I said how excited I was that he was on the show. He claimed that he was excited to be on the show too, which was nice. And then he said he was nervous, and then I said, why are you nervous? And he said, I don't know. And then we kind of talked about, like, uh, levels. We didn't talk about, you know, taking a shower with his clothes on or you didn't miss any of the old classic Ray talk. Um, and then we started talking about headphones. So now you are going to join the conversation between me and Ray in progress as we talk about headphones. Yeah, it seems like I've become dependent on nice headphones. Yeah? But I, I do like a nice pair of headphones now. When I went to Guitar Center to buy headphones, and I picked out the cheapest one, and I took it up to the the counter, and the guy, guy goes, dude, really? He's like, spend 10 more dollars and get this one. He, he talked me up. but At, uh, at B&H, when I bought this equipment, yeah. they wanted me to buy like the $100 headphones, and I was like, I can't, I yeah. can't. So I think these were $40 headphones okay. or, or 50 Or maybe they wanted to sell me the 200 I mean, but they sound really good. Yeah, I have the $35 ones. Maybe that's what I don't like, this shit. People often complain that the show is too reverby. Oh, yeah? Um, I get a lot of weird complaints, but who cares about that? Fuck them. You're back on the show. What's happened to you, Ray? I, I know what's happened to you. <laughs> but I think the do I mean, when you know, I recently put a or I didn't put a post. Somebody put a post on Reddit and they said, Who are your who's your favorite dopey guest? And someone said, uh, uh, Skinny Vinny. Yeah. They liked him. Yeah. Somebody said Jamie Lee Curtis. 
Someone said Danny Trejo, and two people said Ray Brown. Really? That's right. How you like that? I have to go look at that. And everyone that's a shout Only out. two? Well, there, I think there were four. <laughs> I think you were two out of the four responses. I'm not really a guest. I think. Well, listen. The point is, you are ubiquitous when in the dopey talk. Often, there's a guy out there who hates or who talks shit about dopey all the time. Yeah. In the dopey nation. And uh, there was a bunch of I Miss Rays out there. Oh, yeah? It's out there. I Miss Ray. So I'm just sharing that with you on the show. <laughs> Dopey Nation. Miss you used to say, what's up, Dopey Nation, at the beginning what, of the show. What's up, Dopey Nation? So um, I don't think I did. You did. You okay. had, yeah, I think you did. I think that was a thing you did. Um, so, Ray, it's been a while. Here we are again. Last time we were here, it was December. You know what would be great? Tell if, me. if we hadn't talked since thanksgiving oh if i didn't know anything right well we went through a little bit of a tumult since thanksgiving oh yeah it was a tumultuous couple months would you like to catch the 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 doposphere up with the comings and goings of the great ray brown since thanksgiving yeah well it's porum so it's, it yeah. makes sense that we would do a porum check-in and a thanksgiving what do you do on porum you, you get drunk and you wear costumes. And you oh, go I remember this. Yeah. And yeah. you eat hum and tush. I went to a Purim party and we did all those things. Jews get, get nuts at Purim. Yeah. It's St. Patrick's <laughs> Day and Purim. Notice that we didn't talk about St. Patrick's Day, but we talked about Purim. So are you, are, you, are you prepared to disclose the terrible happenings of December? And before you do, yeah, I want to make sure that you're okay to disclose the horrible happenings of December. I said earlier, it's okay. It's it's no big deal. I mean, it is no big deal because what the important part is, you look great. You should see him. One thing about Ray, that is something that I wish I did, was he quaffs his hair in such a way <laughs> he comes walking down the street. You look like a million bucks. Thank you. Hold on, I'm gonna give you. A that's applause. I can't hear it. You can't hear it, but there's applause right now. Um, so, Ray, what the fuck happened? Well, I, it's nothing's happened in December. It happened in October. Really? In November. Why did I think it happened in December? I was in Mexico. But that's what has happened. Yeah. That was in October, in early November, early like mid to mid. And anyway, um, I went to Mexico, and I knew I was going to drink a beer on the beach. Cerveza and La Playa. See. <laughs> so that was but the plan. I never made it to the beach just for other reasons. But I, the first night in Puebla, um, I had taken a plane and then a long bus ride. And I got there at dinner time and I went to a pizzeria and I ordered a beer. And then I ordered another beer and then I had pizza and I went to bed. And then the next day I was in OXO, which is like 7-Eleven, getting like... A OXO. O-X-X-O, getting a Coke, and I saw, oh, they sell liquor in the 7-Eleven here in OXO. Fortified vodka? No, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, just like Bacardi and vodka, and just that kind of, they don't have a liquor store anywhere, but that's where you buy it, and I bought it, and I started drinking on that second day, and then it, like, immediately went really, really bad. I mean, I was still having a good time, but I was immediately drinking like I used to, like every night. And then I started getting the DTs, which I'd never had before. Hold up, hold up. Let's go yeah. slow. Let's go slow down for a second. You had historically, you know, gotten sober, weren't working a program, uh, had a horrible relapse, 
worked the hardcore program. Oh, yeah. Fucking, you know, cult within a cult, crazy sponsor. Yeah. Doing meeting, please. You know, that stuff we were talking about this morning of that crazy sponsor, thank God for him, because he told me don't ever post anything on social media, um, which I pretty much haven't done for two years, and that was the best best advice. That was worth going through all the other crazy stuff. Right. And and then you had a falling out with him, but you didn't realize. No, no, I, I didn't have a falling out. I just, he, he I didn't want to follow his program. And he goes, fine, that's cool. Good but luck. you had an internal falling out with him. It wasn't like a fight with him, but it was like a big fucking thing. It was like when I realized it was a cult, that right. was like, what the fuck? But, but you know, a lot of good things came out of that, and I didn't get sucked into a cult and whatever. But yeah, he told me don't ever post on social media and it was like such great advice well i think it is great advice and because social media is a very weird evil he's like it's just like drugs like there's never enough it's crazy like i find it like i've been playing these horrible games on my phone these shape games oh yeah i've seen those and like i used to be like this game is incredible because finally I have somewhere to put everything. Yeah. It all fits together. And now I'm addicted to it. Hope I can't stop playing and it doesn't do anything good for me. Yeah. I, I'm not a huge video game guy, but when they come into my life, it is crazy what I do. Like I'll sit there for 12 hours playing. It's horrible. It's a horrible feeling anyway, though. So my point is you had a bunch of clean time. Yeah. And then you've been planning this escape to Mexico for years. Yeah. It was going to be a long-term escape, but you were in recovery. You were totally sober. So when was the decision, I'm going to drink Una Cerveza en La Plata? I don't know. It was before I left. And it was, was it, it was a like, decision or was I'm it going, a notion? No, it was like, I was looking at Escondido and I'm like looking at the menus of the restaurants where I'm going to be eating. And I'm like, I'm definitely going to drink a beer and it's going to be fine. Was it like that? Was it, I'm going to have a beer or is it, I'm going to go off the fucking No, rails? no. It was like, I'm going to drink normally on my Mexican classic. vacation. The classic yes. alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm going to drink a bottle of vodka and pass out in my hotel room. That wasn't the plan. It was like, I'm going to smoke crack at the shittiest <laughs> motel I can find. No, so you get so then you find the beer, you have a beer, and then what happens? And, and it was like, well, that was fine. I just had a beer and pizza. And then the next day I saw where they sold... The alcohol, and that was it. Now, I'm asking, I'm not asking for any other reason than I think it's valuable information. Between the beer and pizza and oblivion, what do you remember what was in your head? Um, I think what was in my head the second, or it was like, I'm going to do this again tomorrow, just like this. I'm going to have a beer and have some yeah, pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. And I'm going to do it the whole time I'm down here because nobody will see me here. Right. And then, and then so you go I can to sit Oxo in this outdoor cafe and chill. Yeah. Like an expat. Like everybody else here. Right. Cause I'm whatever. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. I can handle it. So then, okay. Walk me through it now. I'm going to shut up. So then I was like, just dr- immediately back to drinking. Like I was, what was that? Two years ago. And, um, and passing out in my hotel room at but normal days. And then like after like a week and a half, two weeks of that, I woke up in the morning and I had, DTs. I had and DT stands for delirium tremors. Yeah. Well, what I had was monsters and voices, and um, I I called I, I so I started drinking in the morning. 
that made it go away. So that was like a new, like, wow, what, where am I now? Cause now I'm getting, waking up, drinking, going to breakfast. And then what were you drinking at? We were drinking before breakfast. Yeah. I would wake up in the morning. I couldn't function. Yeah, you were sexting me a bit from Mexico. I should have known that was something I? was wrong. You mentioned something about my Coke can dick in a text, and I was like, something's happened with Ray. This, Wait, is, I'm, a, I'm this gonna, is not this is not a typical I'm gonna, Ray Brown. Text. I'm gonna look up my that's gonna be a long scroll back. Yes. But yeah, so I was having this and I like I couldn't function. I couldn't get out of bed. I and I was like seeing things. It was terrifying. Hold on, hold on. Um you're in you're in that first week and a half. What is the first week and a half like? Uh, the uh, the first week I was in Puebla, and then I got on a bus. We were talking quite I often. I know, and we then I went to Oaxaca, and that's where it really kicked in. And was I, there something in Oaxaca that was especially triggering? No, it's just like once it started, it was not stopping. So I I'm googling rehab in in New York. What made you do that? Cause I'm like, I can't quit. At that point, I just gave into it. I'm like, I can't quit on my own and get DTs and you know possibly die. I'm like, how did I get here so fast? And then I talked to some rehabs, and they're like, come from the airport. Yes, we ins- we accept your insurance. Come directly from the airport, which I didn't do, but. So I knew where I was going. Hold I, on. So you're in Oaxaca. Yeah. The, the the delirium tremors are so intense. You're hallucinating, yeah. seeing monsters. Yeah. Then you're drinking a bottle of vodka to, to get rid yeah. of it. And and are you shaking? Like, I've never had delirium tremors. What is exactly? Is it I, tremens or tremors? Tremens. Tremens. I don't know exactly what it means. What is it? I, I was, hallucin- I was hallucin- hallucinating like monsters. This like when you, people see pink elephants, like that kind of thing. I was just seeing crazy things. Scary. Really scary. And then I called, and the woman at where I went, where I wound up going, was really nice. And she was like, that's so horrible. She's like, come right in right now. I'm like, I'm in Mexico. And she laughed. But she said, come from the airport. And then I called another number called SAMHSA, which is like, if you ever Google drugs or whatever. SAMHSA comes it's, up. It comes yeah. up at the top. I called that number. I called their hotline. And the woman didn't have a clue about anything she didn't know what dts were she didn't like she didn't know anything and she's like have you ever heard of aa and i'm like yes <laughs> like i'm just i have heard of that yeah. it was and we talked for a long time that was in that was in mexico city when i called samsa because and i went to the er in mexico city because the lady here told me come to the er here and you'll be admitted directly from the ER. So I'm like, I can do that here and just stay in Mexico City. And so I went to the hospital there and it was like so confusing and so... What else was happening in Mexico? You 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 had gotten to a point, I mean, like that must have been terrifying. You're in another country. I'm like, how do I get home? You're out of control. I can't get on a plane. Because you were just too fucked up. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't think you told me about checking into the hospital in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I didn't check in. No, I went to the ER. And I was like, this is not going to work. What did it look like? It was like, I couldn't have stayed. You were like, una cerveza and la playa? <laughs> yeah. like, what did you No, it's just like, I will never be able to navigate this. And I don't know if like if it will be expensive or cheap. Or how much? I know how much Spanish you know, but how much yeah. Spanish do you know? None. So imagine I'm the nurse in the hospital. Yeah. What do you say to me? That was another thing. It was like, I kind of expected 
like people that dealt with tourists to speak. Soy baracho. See, si. <laughs> I, thought, can I thought people would speak some English. Like when you check into your hotel, I was really surprised nobody nobody spoke any English. So you, I mean, this is really a terrifying story. I remember that when we oh, finally was, spoke, I was so relieved that we were talking again. And I was just so happy that you were doing well that I didn't press you for the scary aspects of well, the story. Yeah, and you were so mad at me and so like badgering me to be on the show. And I'm like, I didn't want to tell you that. I'm like, I don't want to be on the show because I did all this and I don't want to talk about it. You had not wanted to be on the show long before this happened. Right, well. Just to be clear. No, you, yeah, for like a year. <laughs> you, you were sober for at least a year that I badgered you right. and you said you didn't want to come right. on. But, there but was that like, just cemented it. I'm like, oh, no, now I'm like, I can't go on. But I know that, like, first of all, it's it's important that anyone out there who is an alcoholic or a drug addict and has a relapse, there is no shame in it. The point is you didn't die. Here we are. You're yep. sober. You look like a million bucks, and and I'm sure you've learned you've learned something from this experience. Well, it's this classic milk uh, whiskey in the milk, right? It, break that down for me. That's please. the guy worked. The guy uh, a businessman. A businessman is mad <laughs> at his boss, and right. he goes to the diner. Yes. and he orders a cup of milk, yes. glass of milk, and he's like, "Put some whiskey." No, first in. he's like, "He's like, I think I'll have a sandwich." Yeah, and he has a sandwich. He goes, "I think I'll have another sandwich and some milk." Yeah, and maybe you can put some whiskey in my milk. Yes, it'll just be one. What a weird drink, but yeah, one. I'll, I'll just have one. I I can imagine. I think I've been in situations like that with drugs where I'm like, I can, I can have one or I can smoke a joint or I can take, I mean, I don't know that I really had that thought. I don't ever think about it now because every one thing is infinite things in my mind, you know? Yeah. And like, so the, how does this relate to the whiskey and the milk? Well, it's a little different because like there was no resentment involved. He was resentful of his boss and that right. led him to do that. It was just more like, I'll just have a whiskey in my milk and continue on with my day and it won't affect my life. I'll have a, a beer on the beach. Yeah. And then the next day he's like, you know, off the deep end. He lost his job and he's homeless. And what do you whatever. think? Those, this those big book stories are kind of funny, you know? Well, but you could, we could write a big book story about this trip. Una cerveza on the yeah, playa. Yeah, yeah. So like. I never made it to the playa. <laughs> did you never make it to the playa? No, because the bus from Oaxaca to Escondido was so terrifying. I just kept reading about people's talking about it like at twisty windy mountain roads i'm like i'm changing my my plans and i went to mexico city you didn't want to deal with that shit yeah and then my plane got canceled and it was so no cerveza in la playa and total terror relapse and what is this what is i want, I want yeah I want and know. then and then i went to the airport in mexico city and i drank at the airport was that I, the end of the trip was it planned to yeah. be and like it's pretty amazing though because I, it all reminded me of a little like William Burroughs story. Because you go to Mexico. I went to William Burroughs' house. How did it look? The same. Was anyone living there? Yeah. Is it nice? It's it's in Roma Norte, which is where I was staying. It reminds me of just you know you're this traveler and you go down to Mexico and you fucking go bananas. Mm -hmm. Were there was there any like bad situation with people and alcohol that you didn't tell me about? No. So you're just fucking like this tourist bopping along wasted. 
mostly in my hotel room. Wow. So most of Mexico was drunk in your hotel room. No, I mean the the really I would drink at lunch, but not get drunk and then continue my afternoon and then go back to my hotel room and drink at night or you know whenever I got back. This might be a stupid question. Yeah. But when you're in that situation, at what point do you get afraid? I wasn't afraid. The only thing I was afraid of was the monsters. So like when you're, when you're. And, and like, how do I get home? So then I drank at the airport and then I drank on the plane. But I'm saying you hadn't had a drink in years. Yeah. You were like, I'm going to go have a, a beer. Yeah. You're in a fucking total alcoholic bender. Uh, when is it just the DTs that get scary? Or are you just like, fuck, I'm back here. Um, yeah, just the DTs, really. Or, and, the, or the, the like, how did I, how did this happen so quickly? And now I can't stop. Were you like, holy shit, the stupid big book is right in that moment? Totally. I'm I'm calling the rehab. I'm calling SAMHSA. I've never done that before. So you, it's funny because we had talked about you going to rehab when you weren't relapsing. Did we? Yeah, because you were like going through some shit, and you were like, "I need to go away." Oh, um, so uh, you get, you 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 have an appointment to go to rehab from Mexico. She said, "Just walk in." All right, and so that's I I, I landed. She said, "Come directly from the airport," which I didn't do. Um, did I, you drink the airplane drinks, or did you bring like a bottle? No, I drank the airplane drinks. And you know what's weird is like the flight attendants they looked at me and they just handed me a bottle of wine. The second time they came by. Because they knew what they were dealing with. <laughs> For free, you know. Um, and then I, I landed here and I was like two days here. And then I went up to the, it's on the Upper West Side, and checked in. For a 28 day. Oh, I'm like, I'm going to Florida in a few weeks. I can't go there drunk like this. I can't. That, I mean, that was the saving grace. Yeah. I think if it wasn't for that, I probably would have continued. But um, so I checked in for a 28 day rehab and I left after I'd gone detoxed. Because that was the thing is I couldn't. Um, you didn't do the 28 days. No. You no. left after the detox. I left after. How I, was that? That was your first time in a public detox. Yeah. What'd you think? It was fine. Did it remind you of Dopey? I thought about that. It's very Dopey. I mean, really all they did was just monitor me and give me Valium. So you just hung out there. Like, what did you do in the detox? Who'd you talk to? People there. Were you like, have you ever heard of this podcast called Dopey? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I know. That would have been a great time to promote. And like, I'm Ray from Dopey. <laughs> wow. So, like, how are you doing now? You refuse to go to meetings, but you're not drinking. And you got the fucking shot. Oh, yeah. You want oh, yeah. Uh, then I'm, uh, I, after that, um, when I left, they were like, we suggest you, we suggest you stay. And I'm like, I couldn't. And, um, well, you could have, but I you decided could've. to go visit your family. Right. And um, they said, we suggest you uh, get a prescription for naltrexone. So I did that. And you were like, this is awesome. I don't have to go to meetings and I'll stay <laughs> Right. It's a pill. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and that was it. And then I went to Florida. And, so and then everybody in Florida is like drinking constantly because that's my family. And do they know your deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they don't care. Because you don't no. tell them it doesn't. Did you? Does it bother they you? They listen to Dopey. Oh God! <laughs> I know. Oh my God! 
One of them found out, like two of them were talking about it, and the other one was like, what is that? And they're like, it's a podcast that Ray's on. And she's like, I want to listen to it. Oh, God. So how long were you taking the naltrexone? Did you get the Vivitrol shot? No, no. Um, that's expensive, and my insurance didn't cover that. I mean, maybe through rehab, but no, I took naltrexone for two months. And why did you stop? It was expensive, and it was like I didn't think I needed it. It, it worked. I tested it. It worked. What is, what is the test like? I took the pill and then drank and nothing happens. It's like pointless. Nothing. I, you know, there was a woman on the show, a young comedian on the show who, yeah. who, 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 who I heard that she was testing naltrexone and, and she felt the alcohol a bit. Oh, I didn't feel it. And I drank a lot. Why did you? Because you wanted to get drunk. I Yes. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I did. I mean, like, that's what I've been doing. But I, I wanted to take that pill, and then I drank the vodka, and I'm like, this is like drinking water. So what I want to know, Ray, is how has it been since then? Do you have any hankering to drink? Do you have any hankering for AA? Like, do you have any hankering for dopey? Like, where, where are you at in your recovery? I would go to a meeting at the one that used to be at the church here. There, there, that one. Yeah. I like that meeting. Magic. Big Book yeah, Magic. Yeah, Big Book Magic. Yeah. That's the only meeting I would go to. If you don't want to go to that bougie SOS meetings with all the hot guys? On oh, you 12th told Street? me about that. No, I've never been there. You, That's a meeting for you. <laughs> Early in the morning, three blocks away from your house. Right. You know? Maybe I'll go to that. I think you should. I know somebody else that goes there besides you. I forgot who. I would come in early and go with you. Really? I would. Okay. All those hot guys, I'll go. <laughs> um, so, like, how has, like, uh, how has it been? I mean, you've got a, you never were a big day counter, but you have a few months. Yeah. Well, do you have a few months? Yeah. And how's it, uh, <laughs> what? I don't know. I can't remember dates. When it was before you, Christmas. Do you, the last time you had a drink was before Christmas. Yeah. And are you craving like, alcohol? Like, like, where are you with it all? No, it's just like. Once that happened, I was like, how do I make this stop? Like, I'd never had that before. And I was just like, I want I want this out of my life. And I was talking to you about drugs. I'm like, you could put anything in front of me now, and I wouldn't have any temptation at all. And there were no drugs in the relapse? No. You never thought I could go for some crack right about now? No, you know, I thought I would be offered drugs in Mexico, you know, to tourists, I'd never, I guess I look too square. You would have loved that. Did, <laughs> did you wear your, your dopey shirt in Mexico? No. You're like, you're too as rave. They dopey. Um, fuck, man. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I don't think there's any shame in relapsing. I'm, you know how happy I am to have you back on the show. Yeah. It means so much to me to have you here. And um, fuck, you know, I... You know, I worry about you, obviously, but I don't worry about you on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm more worried. So is there uh, a beer on the beach in the future? I don't think so. Where are you at? <laughs> like, do you, are you like, I'm that fucking alcoholic where I take a drink and I'm fucking done? Yeah, I didn't know that. Isn't that interesting? I think that if I use something, I would, I would not be in good shape. Yeah. I think I would be in the similar spot, just not with alcohol. And, um... It's nuts. It's a, it's it's crazy that it really is that it really is the way they write about it. Right. It really is <laughs> fucking weird. And um, what about enjoying life? Have you been enjoying life without alcohol? Yeah, totally. Why? What do you like about it? 
I don't know. I like my life. I I have a very simple life. I've I've worked a little bit, but I'm kind of retired. Semi-retired. Yeah. Painting. Yeah. Seeing his friends. I painted a restaurant. Played a show. Killed it at the. Oh yeah. Killed it at I the. Killed it at the show. Yep. So, that's good. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, I'm 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 not unhappy that you relapsed, but I'm sure it was not a fun experience for you. No. I'm happy you finally made it to detox. I know you've always wanted to do that. So. <laughs> but I didn't want to stay there. <laughs> well, you how long did you stay? <laughs> two days. Just two days. Yep. Two nights. Why did you only go two nights? Because that then I was done. And how did once you- I fell asleep like on my own, and then I woke up in the morning. And I'm like, I can do this at home. You're like, I got to get the fuck out. Yeah. And Where I had was a, it? Up Mount Sinai. Isn't Mount Sinai on Fifth Avenue? It's the Upper West Side, Mount Sinai. I don't even know where that it's is. It's like way over there, like 11th Avenue. Really? And was it gross? I think it's new. Was it gross? No. It was no, nice? No, it's fine. It was public? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It accepted my insurance. Were there a lot of junkies in there? Yeah. All right. And you didn't tell anyone <laughs> about Dopey? No. <laughs> wow, Ray. I'm... Um, I think this is good. Do you feel good about sharing this experience with the Dopey Nation? Yeah, totally. Is there anything from this story, any detail that we didn't get out that you wish you had gotten out? Uh, not from, no. Nothing? I don't think so. No encounters you really want to recount in Mexico that would really, I could harp on for a while? And, and never no. never shut up. About no, I'm there's nothing never like going to tell you anything. Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I went to a meeting uh, this week. And did you ever listen to the Dopey episode with Smiling Joe? Yes. He texted me that I cursed too much at the meeting. You do curse too much at the meeting. How do you know? Because uh, I went to the meeting with you. And I cursed too much? And you told me, like, they have a policy. No cursing. And every week, Dave goes, fucking shit. <laughs> Fuck piss. I'm just, I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to like get a good share. Hi, my name is Dave and fuck shit. I, I, you know, it was like, it was, I was doing my classic, keep your fucking mouth shut chair. Yeah. Which is, you know, the best thing I've learned in AA in Long Island is you keep your fucking mouth shut. I've never heard that. That's my, that's the greatest thing I've learned. I heard someone describe Wait, it don't as. don't share? No, 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 no. In, in, in AA you share. Oh. In twelve step, you share whatever, whatever. Outside of that world, but when, but when you're at home with your family, yeah, okay. you got to know to keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> you know. I wonder if that's just your meeting or if it's a lot of Long Island meetings. I don't know, but it, it's it's I I hear that in my head, and mm-hmm. it's incredibly helpful for me. There's a lady at my meeting who's an unlikely lady at the meeting, and she says she uses the three P's. What? She pauses. She prays. And she proceeds, which is the same as keep your fucking mouth shut, yeah. really. It's, um, it's amazing how, you know, I curse a lot when I talk. And then if I'm in the situation where it's not okay, it's so easy to not curse. I, I curse for lubrication. Like I, I curse to like be funny, to make it, to, to feel like I, it makes me feel comfortable. It's, I, I also curse so I can think of the next thing I'm going to say often. I cursed one time in front of my mother and father. And I was like, how did that come out of my mouth at the dinner table? And it was like, it was a lot. And it just came out. And I was like, whoa. I curse to make myself feel more comfortable. I feel like it makes other people feel more comfortable. And I I often will say, fucking, and try to remember what I was supposed to say. And it sounds funny This fucking guy. Um, This fucking guy. 
Anyway, we had a really big guest on the show this week, and you had never heard of him, right? No. I should have. I mean, I, I yeah, maybe, but you're not like a big mainstream media in New York guy. I'm not a sports fan. But you are a, a hip-hop fan. Yeah, I didn't recognize his name. Well, he's got a very Jewish name for the hip-hop community. Well. For me, he's a big-time guy. And, and I don't know if you guys know who this guy is. His name is Peter Rosenberg. He, if you're a New Yorker and you listen to hip-hop uh, radio, Hot 97, or you listen to ESPN sports, or you are a WWE fan, he's a wrestling commentator, yeah. or you are an old-school hip-hop head and you listen to his podcast called uh, Juan Epp, named after the Puerto Rican Jew from Welcome Back, Back Cotter, <laughs> Juan Epstein. And his name is Peter Rosenberg. So I'm going to play the fucking thing. Dumb shit. My name is Dave, and it's like a very thrilling day. I'm at my dad's house in Manhattan, and I have one of my truest heroes, a legend of New York City media. Wow. National, international media at this point. Thank you. He is said by Noriega to be the pod father. He's a producer, fucking obviously radio DJ. He's Peter Rosenberg. That is right. Dave, thank you for having me. It was very sweet of you to say. I appreciate it. Wrestling commentator. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling former champion. One-time 24-7 champion. That's correct. Just lay that out before we do anything else. What happened, you yes. mean? I heard you say it, but I couldn't imagine it was true. So it is true. If you, The best part about it is, is that my Wikipedia page now has a section that, you know, like, that, like, wrestlers get that says championships and accomplishments. So just please. So so basically the 24 seven title is a thing in WWE that's sort of a silly. It's sort of a silly title. It's meant to to it, it, it can get spread around very easily. People can lose it easily. You can get pinned anywhere. Um, it's they sort of it's sort of like they used to have another thing called the hardcore championship. You could also it could happen anytime. So it's this fun title. But it's a real title with its own like lineage and history that's maintained and different celebrities. Rob Gronkowski won it. You okay. know, it's one of those things. And a year and a year and change ago at the Royal Rumble, I you're uh, in the Royal Rumble. No, it wasn't in the match. It was part of the pay-per-view during the pay-per-view. They they cut back to our sort of uh, I do the pre-shows and they cut back to our pre-show desk in the middle of the pay-per-view. And we were giving a couple opinions, blah, blah, blah. And then our truth. Who's the, who was the 24-7 champion, and he's like the almost always 24-7 champion. I think he's had it like 48 times. Okay. So he's the guy who always, it's kind of his title to some degree, at least until recently. Our truth comes out, I deceive him, I make him think John Cena, who's his hero, is there. He goes looking for John Cena. I go up from behind, I hit him in the nuts from behind, Wow. and I pin him, and I win the championship. Yes. Amazing. And I got to keep that until the next day, during my radio show, I was doing it from my hotel room, and during the Michael K. show, R-Truth came into my hotel room and pinned me and took the title back. In the hotel room? In the hotel was room. Was that yeah. the first time you ever hit anybody in the nuts? <laughs> yeah. It was the first time I did any sort of wrestling thing on Combat. camera I in mean, any in way. Your, in your personal life, have you ever hit anybody in the nuts? No. No. I don't think I've ever even hit anybody. I've never, I don't think I've ever closed fist hit anyone. I've never closed, except for my brother. I'm ashamed of that about me. Right. Like, that's a piece of shame that I carry because it's not going to happen now. And if it does happen now, it's going to be much worse. Right. That was something that could have happened as a young person. Do you have any shame for never having been in a real fight? I'll say this. Yes, I do. I've had like these near things happen. And I, I like, 
because I'm I'm it runs in my DNA to be able to get into that state of like someone who could fight. Okay. But I am like a pacifist by nature, like truly in, maybe not by nature, in belief. I am a pacifist by like in all situations. I always think you walk away. I always think the smartest thing to do is like Diffuse not have it. something terrible happen. I've 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 said that to everyone I'm close with at any point when anything's happening. I'm like, "No, no, no, we go away." But then in a moment sometimes I I the the, the switch flips. And I, I guess I probably do have some shame around it. And at some point, at a time in the past, which I will be not very vague about, I did have a moment when in public someone like really tested you, tested me. And I did not throw a punch, but I did get physically assertive. Was it Nicki Minaj? It was not Nicki Minaj. That would have been scarier. Yes. She would have, yes. she could have beat my ass yes. potentially. As a legend in New York City hip hop. You know, and also just a legend like you've made mixtapes with these with underground people that became important ASAP Rocky Action Bronze and all these like legends of hip hop who actually can rhyme. And you made a name for yourself and you're white and you're Jewish and you're from Chevy Chase, Maryland. Correct. So it's like you're a target. Correct. It's like a guy like you normally is like a mixed martial arts master who if he has to fuck people up, he will. Correct. So it's like. How often I am, I would imagine on the rise you're tested all the fucking time. Um, honestly, the tr here's the truth. Not that often in hip hop. Generally, the way I'm greeted, even if someone doesn't like me, it's never aggressive because I don't put out aggressive energy at all. And so in you know generally I don't want to say in hip hop, but in the New York streets period. And not that I'm that familiar, but I certainly have you know have my moments. Of, of being around people who've put me on game about like what's what. No one's testing you if you don't try to be tested. If you're someone who makes it clear, I'm square, I don't want problems, right. I'm not a fighter. Right. You, you know, you present yourself you, as the ultimate hip hop nerd. That's it. I present yeah. myself. So now there are times when they may say, yo, you're so fucking annoying. I hate your opinion. But I don't present myself. I don't puff my shoulders up and try to let people think that I'm tough. How often does that happen that people even say, you're annoying. I don't like your opinion. Not often. Because I'm, I mean, like working at Katz's, I'm, I'm very involved in the Dominican world of New York City. Like mm -hmm. just, I was just talking to one of my friends who's a huge fan of yours. And he, you know, I'm like, what do you, what should I ask Peter? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he was like, well, Peter's a fucking hip hop head to the, to the core. And when you can win over the most New York City people because you actually love rap music so much and yeah. hip hop culture so much. It's, it's amazing. And it's also like, I grew up here, you know, I grew up on 27th and 8th. And when I, when I, I talk to people all the time about grunge, like I didn't listen to grunge music as a kid. Again, I think I was a contrarian and I, I somehow didn't feel a part of it, but I knew everything about hip hop to the, to the point where like we're freestyling in the stairway, smoking blunts and whatever. And mm -hmm. I was taking acid and thinking I was a rapper until I had that horrible ego moment where I was like, I'm not a rapper. <laughs> um, how did how, for you, like, how did the love of hip hop start and were you ever freestyling in the stairwell? Um, well, no stairwell because I was in Chevy Chase, Maryland. We didn't have stairwells. Um, eventually you had stairwells. But eventually there's a stairwell. Yes. Um, how did it all start? I guess. Well, that, I say mean, it one more time because I was focused on should, the stairwell. Let, let's just go to how, I mean, like how, when did, what was the first time you were like, I fucking love hip hop. Oh, this oh. is me. So um, late 80s, um, 87, 88. 
89. You know, my brother was getting very into it. He's four and a half years older than me. We would visit my grandparents in, in Queens, in Rockaway, and we'd listen to the radio. My brother would turn on BLS and Kiss. And I loved the feeling of the radio, the hip-hop radio, like hearing Red Alert and Marley and those guys, um, just what mix show sounded like. Like for people who don't know what a mix show is, if you're not a hip-hop person, a mix show on the radio is when it's the time of the day when it's not a DJ talking and just playing a song and then playing another song. It's the time of the day, usually night, unless it's the weekend, where DJs are mixing records and then when the jocks talk, they're talking over the instrumentals, right? So, but it's a, it's a constant mix. In radio, we call that mix show, right? And I love the feeling of that it's mix incredible. show vibe. It's a great, and if you've never been to New York and turned on a night when Flex is really like caring about it and having one of those incredible. nights. And he, it's, it's, it really can feel special, especially back then. So I got very into it then. And you know, it, it started, be, honestly, the first rap song I remember really is like, parents just don't understand Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Um, which isn't stated enough when people talk about sort of it's the songs. Often, it's often, often overlooked. Often overlooked. Yes. It was a huge, especially if like, if you weren't from the city, if you were like a white boy from the suburbs, the likelihood that Fresh Prince brought you in first is very high. Sure. He was such a huge crossover star. That song was so big. And then, um, you know, listening to the radio with my brother around that time, he's, so I'm like seven, eight but he's 11, 12, 13. So he's getting into his and music it's still phase. Rap. No matter what uh, parents just don't understand is, it's totally hip hop. Oh yeah, there's, it, it doesn't matter how cheesy it is now. At the time, it's your foray. You're like, oh, this is cool. I like, I like this. This isn't singing. The beat is good too. Right, it's this, very catchy. There's something here I really like. Um, and then uh, it went from there. And yes, uh, did I ever freestyle in early in high school? Me and my friend Judson did mixtapes together. And on the mixtapes, I would like freestyle at the beginning of my mixtape, like do up, like DJ do up would or something, you know? Um, which was a thing that like some there were DJs who would rap on records too. So I would I would rap on my mixtapes and then him and I would sit around and record freestyles like into our mixer. So we'd like pass the mic back and forth. I, I found a tape of it recently. How is it? Terrible. Okay. Absolutely terrible. Um and like sexual and weird and homoerotic and you know, <laughs> okay, yeah. everything you'd expect from 14 yes. year olds with microphones. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I knew that rapping was not gonna be the thing. I knew DJing and talking was probably gonna be the thing. And did you ever, I mean like in all of my research, which you know, I've done a little bit of research, I never knew about you in terms of your actual DJ Ability. Mm -hmm. How is your DJ ability? I'm solid. You, you know, can mix records and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you love it? I do. I still have a great time doing it. I can blend records. I can. I have a couple of scratches that sound good. I'm a good DJ, and I can. And by the way, if it's the right party, if I get booked for the right party, I can kill it. That's what my friend was saying. Toast, my guy at Katz's, was saying, yeah, he was DJing at Sweet Chicks, and I was like, I don't think he he DJs parties like that. And he's like, no, he fucking DJs parties. No, sometimes. I occasionally I do. I will come out and DJ a party, and I can rock a party. It just I try to get booked these days. Like back in the day when I was first trying to get on up here. I might get booked for something that was too commercial and I'd have to play like all the current club stuff and it's already not where my heart was. Now that my, I have more of a brand, if I get booked, they want me to show up and play what I play. All the classics. So it's like, come play classic shit. Like next next week, um, I'm hosting a release for Fife Dog's posthumous album. I'm a DJ set there, I'm playing Tribe. Like it'll be a super easy up my alley. I know everything about every record. 
So I'm a solid DJ. I'm not a great DJ. You know, I my partner Cypher Sounds on one app, much better DJ than me. You know, I'm certainly not a great, but I can get it done. Now, when you come up, and when I came up listening to hip hop, smoking pot was always a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think it was great for me that smoking blunts and hip hop went together because I really liked smoking weed. So like to do that, it was like, it made me kind of feel like I was down because mm -hmm. in any situation I could smoke as much weed as anybody. And I could sort of feel a part of was weed a thing for you? No. So I was completely sober until I was 25. And what happened at 25? 25 after and remember this is a big deal like getting through as you you, you know um getting through high school in the 1990s and not drinking was a big thing um the amount of pressure it was constant why didn't you drink i just always thought it was lame i just always thought people were trying to be cool i already felt i was cool i thought why do i need something to make me feel good i already feel good um, I had a girlfriend for most of high school, so I wasn't trying to hook up with anyone. Right. It was actually long distance for three years in high school. Like we were together freshman year and then she moved and we stayed together. So like I wasn't trying to cheat. I wasn't trying to be drunk with girls. I just didn't see the upside. It did. There was nothing for me. When um, I, when I was in, in high school, I had, I was like, you guys are not yourself if you're fucking drinking. Right. Like I was like, you're not being, and I wasn't, I didn't have this language, but I was like, you're not being your genuine self, your truest self. I was like, this is bullshit until I felt totally alone. And my body couldn't really handle alcohol, but it really could handle weed. Right. For you at 25, what, what changed? You're, so the weed thing, working? so, so at 25, now I've made it through all of college without drinking and smoking being at the radio station, meeting tons of rappers. <coughs> when they're smoking blunts, what are you doing? Nothing. You're just chilling. Chilling. And that's okay. And I was fine. I felt no pressure. I didn't give a shit. Like no pressure got to me about that. Like I'm not saying I didn't have days where it was annoying where I'm like, you show up to a party and you're 21 years old and it's now been five years of not drinking and I get to the party and someone's like, yo, Rosenberg, just have one drink tonight, man. Have one drink. And I'd be like, the only way I'd feel was I'd be like, Bro, you think tonight's the night? Like, you know how many people have tried to get me to drink? I just met you, dog. Everyone's tried to get me to drink for five years. I'm not taking a shot with you tonight. Like, you're being insane. So what was the thing? So at 25, I'd recently gone through, and, and it, it really now ties together and makes sense for the rest of my life. I went through a breakup. I, I, I broke up with or was broken up with by uh, this amazing girl from college who... I'd always thought was amazing, and we didn't start dating until my fifth year, my last year at Maryland, we started dating. And we dated for like a year, and I really thought this was probably gonna you know, turn into the real deal. And that didn't happen, and when I really realized she was like for real moving on, I, I was just floored you know, for a long time. I mean, for the better part of that year, I was in bad shape, and I don't think that it's coincidence that around that time exactly was the first time I said, all right, fuck it. Let me try to, let me smoke this weed. Give did, this a shot. Did you weed, did you smoke before you drank? They were almost simultaneous. Right. It might've, I mean, it was literally almost simultaneous. I would say, I would say weed was first and then alcohol. And it's weird now because I'm 42 and I've now been drinking for 17 years. 
So people who don't know me that well would probably just think of me as like, oh yeah, Rosenberg drinks. And I'm like, you don't understand, that's funny because like in my mind, I'm still not a drinker. I'm still someone who does now drink, but I'm not really a drinker. I can't get wasted. I if I, have, if I have a couple of drinks and start to feel it, I just switch to water. Like it's not in my, I'm not a natural drinker. It just never, but it did as the years went on and finding happiness gets harder, it did sort of become the lubricant for me that I think it does for a lot of people, which is a dangerous place to be in for a lot of people. Um, for me, it's always, it's never been a problem point for me so far. I do think about it at times. Like I'll be like, especially during the pandemic, you know, I started thinking like, well, now I'm drinking at home, you know, now I'm drinking with people generally, but then sometimes I'm just watching wrestling on Zoom with my friends. I don't need to drink here, but I'm gonna have a drink, you know? You're so, enjoying yourself. You're enjoying yourself. So I started to worry about, I, I'm very conscious of my relationship with uh, drugs and alcohol. And alcohol is a funny one, the way it crept up. And it was, so yeah, in my 20s, and I started to smoke, weed was what I really liked though then. So at the beginning, I really liked weed. I didn't care much for drinking. Because weed in classic hip-hop is like and, milk and cookies. And you're listening, and now I'm hearing things differently, right. and I'm having these experiences where I see a movie in a whole different way. So I really like that. And, and there's and there's more ritual around it. You know, you're, you're breaking it up. You're rolling it. There's like a whole thing that I enjoyed. But then, of course, as the years went on, the paranoia got worse and worse you, and worse. You, okay. And now, I'm, and now I'm a very light smoker. It's very rare because... I just, to me, it feels like I'm going to, I need to be in the perfect setting. And even in the perfect setting, you can get bugged. It out. can go wrong. Right. Like something can, recently something happened where I was hanging out in the perfect setting and an incoming message to my phone set messed up, set, messed things up. And now I'm like, oh, why did I do this? That's so funny. With drinking, I feel like I can have a drink. I may feel it for like 15, 20 minutes and then it's just kind of over. You know what I mean? So it's, it's. I don't know. I, I, I mean, for me, like, I never had paranoia with weed. Like, I was like the, I was born to smoke pot. I was like the perfect stoner. I just wound up becoming a terrible drug addict, so I had to stop smoking weed, which is sad. I remember I went to rehab one time, and they were like, write a letter to heroin. And I'm like, your heroin was the slut that took me away from my perfect girlfriend, weed. But in, in retrospect, you know, it's easy to talk about that, but I love my sobriety. And I met... Uh, you, Peter Rosenberg, years ago at Katz's when I was doing my incredible web series, The Last Jewish Waiter. That's right. And you came in and I interviewed you for The Last Jewish Waiter, but we had internal problems and the show never aired. Yeah. The footage got lost. And I was always like, I want to get Rosenberg on Dopey because he's so great. Like, I think you're great. So like, I just want to make that sweet. clear. And I, and I were doing an event at Hot 97, a Katz's event. And I was like, I'm going to go want to talk to Rosenberg and see what's up. And I told you about Dopey and you were like, I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. And obviously you're not smoking crack. No. You're not in, in, you're dropping liquid LSD in your eyes. I'm are not. You? Have you I've, ever? I've never, I've never done, I've never done any LSD. Well, now that they're like, it's just like loosey goosey. I had a dude in here yesterday. Okay. A, a, a new friend who said he just got a part-time job delivering psychedelics. That's what he does now. <laughs> he delivers mushrooms. He delivers DMT vape pens. Well, can I ask you a question? Ask me anything. Uh, totally ignorant. Yes. I only know about weed now being legal. Are, are mushrooms any more legal? Not here. In California, they're legal. It's medicinal. They passed that mushrooms are legal in California. Got it. Not think, here yet. Now, do Michael K. and Don LaGreca ask about this kind of stuff? 
Um, I can imagine you mentioning, and Michael K, for anyone who doesn't live in New York City, Michael K is, is a great sports uh, commentator, is the voice of the Yankees. He has a great show on ESPN, the Michael K Show. And Peter Rosenberg is the great, you're a great addition to that. Thank you so show. much. Uh, I think Michael assumes because he knows, like Don and I admit on the air that we have done drugs before. Right. Michael has never done anything. He hasn't. Never. So in Michael's eyes, I think it's very hard for him to see the difference between someone who sparingly hits a joint or tries one little chocolate thing and someone who's just constantly doing it. Right. So I don't think he'd understand if I were to be like, hey, this weekend I did blank. He'd be like, well, of course you did. And, and uh, like, I want to hear that you're vaping DMT for some well, reason. I don't know what DMT is. DMT is a, it's a very short acting hallucinogen that um, they say, like, there's a lot of talk about DMT. I think it's actually comes from ayahuasca. And it's and you smoke it. A lot of ayahuasca talk these they days. They also say it come it, like your body produces natural DMT when you die. Hmm. Like Jerry Garcia used to smoke a lot of DMT. That let, worries let, that worries me already. Hold on, hold on. I have to just because I hate to not be as informed. Okay, yeah, as we, I would like. You can't do that. You have a responsibility. I, I have a responsibility, so I'm just gonna just put it out there. Hold on. Let's get this correct. Because I don't want I don't want my audience to be like Dave. You're a fucking idiot that you didn't say the right thing about DMT. Okay, DMT or N-dimethyltryptamine in medical talk is a hallucinogenic tryptamine drug, sometimes referred to as Dimitri. This drug Dimitri. produces effects similar to those of psychedelics like LSD and magic mushrooms. Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah but naturally, yeah, da, 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 da. yeah, it's from, it's like from a root. It's not ayahuasca. It's some other plant. But it's very short acting and it's very crazy. And I bet you like somebody is selling DMT vapes where you are. Let's let's you don't. I'm not do going to. I don't think I'm going to try. Listen, I'm, I'm not. I, we have a, a show based around recovery, which is why you were interested in. Yes. It. Yeah, so I was. And, you know, yeah, it's never been. We're talking about recovery. And I'm like, why don't you hit it? You, you should just. But, but you, I'm sorry. Well, that's the thing. Because I apologize. Everyone's uh, everyone's plan is different. Right. So like uh, there are, I have friends who are in program. And they'll tell me what their program is, and I'm like, "Wow, well, that really leaves a lot of room for a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things in your life." But it's a program that works for them. You know what I mean? And so, explain that more. Well, you know, like you, you might mean meet someone whose um, whose whose drug of choice, for example, is heroin. You made the decision in your recovery, and I think it's a great decision to lose everything altogether, right? You, ca you could find someone whose program is like, I absolutely do not do heroin, cannot ever do it again. But I can smoke weed. But there are situations in which I'm comfortable smoking weed, and I don't consider that going off program. Right. That doesn't mean I'm sober in that moment. I'm not sober, but I'm, but I'm still in my program. Right. And I, I think like that's, the way you're distinguishing And that. I think that's an important distinction so people can figure out the things that work for them and don't work for them because this, there, there are some people... Obviously, and my, you know, my best friend was one of them. There are people who like, if they're doing it at all, they're going literally all the way to heroin. There are some people where their problem is a little bit different, requires a little more nuance, and I think a program with a little bit more flexibility. And I know that we, I think everyone can be a little bit judgmental about those things, but in reality, I think everyone has different, different shit. The most important thing is like someone's ability to have joy in their life and like be happy and be productive. And when we talk about recovery, like you're very familiar with it. And you even said to me, you're in recovery and, but you drink and you smoke pot. Maybe, once, maybe once here and there you vape DMT. Never vape DMT. Never. On the underground. <laughs> but um, like, 
how did you get into recovery and what have you gotten from it? Um, well, essentially, you know, the, the short version that I'm comfortable saying is that my marriage blew up and my relationship of a very long time blew up. And though now I view that differently in many ways, and I sort of feel like everything happens the way it's supposed to in some ways, cheesy as it is, and I feel that I'm in the relationship I'm supposed to be in now, and I'm sort of in the place that I'm supposed to be in now. At the time, it was a realization that I was living my life in a way that had become unmanageable. And for me, unmanageable meant seeking validation in every way possible, you know, um, especially from other, almost exclusively, obviously it's validation from other people, not feeling validated myself, no matter what good thing happened for me, didn't feel good, need someone else, need that like, need that comment, need that text message, need that attention. Uh, attention. And I'm the same way, you know, and, and like one of the, the greatest, cheesiest, cheesiest cliches and and really accurate is this god-shaped hole that we're all trying to fill and like i filled it with weed and i filled it with pills and i filled it with heroin and then i could fill it with recovery which actually becomes a spiritual program but i'm not always in my spiritual program so i fill it with likes i fill it with comments i fill it with this need for attention and you like I'm a mild mannered deli worker that has a little podcast on the side. You're fucking on hot 97 in the morning, ESPN in the afternoon, created one of the, the most influential hip hop podcasts ever made one app, like fucking do your WWE shit. You're doing a March madness podcast. Like how similar is validation and workaholism? Super similar. Um, well, they're related. They're, they're like country cousins. Okay. You know, or maybe more than, they're maybe siblings. Because like, why do I have so many jobs? I've never heard of anybody that has as many jobs as you. And, and by have the way, you? And it's not, no, and it's not my favorite thing. Like, I love what I do, but like when people say, and I know they mean it as a compliment and I don't feel any way about it, but when I get like hardest working man in show business, I'm like, I don't really want to be, I'm, I'm actually extremely talented. I don't want to be the hardest working person. I want to be, I just show up every day, I do like a four hour show and I'm done, that's my life. The radio business changed in many ways, so financially that didn't really become a plausible situation for me. Hot 97's a small company, we're now owned by another company, but our previous owners, MS, were small. Our newer company, our new company's slightly bigger, but it's still not iHeartMedia, like it's a small company the financial ceiling there existed, you know, of like, this isn't gonna be, right. they gave Star and Buck Wild, Star at some point got like a million dollar contract. That was never gonna happen again. That was, that, those days of a million dollar contract. Well, radio season, like in a lot of ways died. And, 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 well, and radio lost, you know, half or 35%, you know, a lot of, a lot of people didn't die but yes I don't but, mean I, I but mean, I don't know but of course it took it's a hit it's like a record it's like it's like a it's like I can't even play a CD it's and like, there and there are a lot of people who do not interact with radio anymore and you're right so like that I got into it at a time where it's like it's not going to be more lucrative as the years go on so I had to figure out other things to do but simultaneously it's really hard to draw the line of distinction between I'm doing it to get by and make money and I'm doing it because I have to get bigger I have to get more famous. I have to be more recognized. I mean, come on, like th that stuff's very real. And radio, man, for someone who has a validation problem, I picked the wrong field. Because like, yes, people see you on YouTube now and I do TV on for the K show, but like, it's a job where you get a lot of, 
How do uh, I know you? How do I know you? Your or voice is familiar. Or even better, they call me by the wrong name, but what they, do they want call me to, you? Ebro. Oh no. Yeah. Is it weird that Ebro sounds like Hebrew? Is that um, is that on purpose? By the way, that it, I've never thought of that, but it is interesting. I wonder if that is even subconsciously in people's brain. I thought that's what the whole shtick was until I met him. I thought it was like this Jewish black show, Ebro with with Peter Rosenberg. Like, I heard Hebro. You've never heard that before. Never heard that before. I'm, I, it's so funny. It's it's his it's his nickname because his real name's Ibrahim. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and his nickname's always been Ebro. So, I I um. I, it sucks. You're you're looking for validation, and people stop you on the street and call you by the wrong name, um, or you know you're not as you're not as popular on social media as the next thing, which is constant. Yeah, I'm definitely not as popular as so, on social Dude, media as the next thing. It's it. There's no version. I I want to know who the happy person is on social media. It's never enough. Like maybe Logan Paul or something, or Jake Paul, or like you know one of the maybe one of those people. No, maybe, maybe. but it can't be. But they want to be accepted as mainstream, right? They want to be. No, they have to box. Right. They have to be respected as boxers. They need right? a show on. By the um, way, Logan Paul is doing a great job at WWE. I want to give him credit. He's, what is he doing? He's doing a little run up to WrestleMania, and I'm actually excited for it. He's very good. Is he fighting? He's in a match. He's in a tag team match. Him, I'm him friendly, and the Miz against I'm the Mysterios. I'm with uh, Mike Malak. He's been on the show. He's a fucked up drug addict. Um, and he's great. So I'm, I'm only privy to the Logan Paul universe through that. And I saw you talking to Logan Paul. Yeah, he, I was, I was very, I've been very impressed by him. Um, but even him, they need to do more stuff also. Everyone's doing more, do more, do more. And I guess what, what sort of realizing how problematic for me that was did is it 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 just allows me to understand what my baseline is i know what i'm doing i still do it sometimes i still do it but i'm now like firmly and keenly aware of when i am just seeking it out self doesn't mean i always versus self-searching kind of thing yeah and it doesn't mean i always stop myself but no, i but i try cheap, to cheap high and it, it goes away so fast i know it's you like know. dmt it's like it's right exactly gone. like my experience with dmt so let me ask you this when did you seek help? When did you seek community? Like, when did you say, holy shit, I'm having a, a, an issue here? Well, it was, it was basically the second that my marriage exploded. Like, that was on, like, a, the first day was, like, a Wednesday. Um, that week, I immediately sought help and, and started trying to look for a place that I could go to talk because like I realized that I was doing things that were not in my character anymore. Mm. Um, and I was like, I mean, it, my life's become unmanageable. <laughs> my, when your wife leaves you, that means your life as you know it is no longer manageable. Did somebody take you to a meeting? Did you call someone you knew? Like, how did it happen? I, I looked around. Okay. And I, I mean, listen, I, if, you're, if you're smart, even if, okay, we're all dumb, right? That we, it, it, we have to get to that point where something bad happens. We have to hit a bottom first. But if you have half a brain, when you hit the bottom, you're aware of what that bottom is. Like to some degree, if you're like, oh, I know what this probably is. If, I, if I'm thinking about myself honestly, what is the best fit for me as someone who constantly needs people to make me feel better? And, and, and I'd been dealing with it in therapy for a long time. You had been in therapy before. Oh, yeah. And I'd been talking about these things in therapy. I just, I wasn't able to take the step, you know, it took this sort of event in my life for me to go, oh my God, I have to change this right now. Um, and of course at the time I thought that would maybe be 
you know, save the relationship. Um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but it's one I'm a fan of pink cloud, pink cloud being like, you have something that makes your recovery really easy because it's dangling in front of you and you have this thing like, Oh, the relationship. So it can get you, it can get you going. Pink cloud can be really helpful for getting your program going because you have this motivation. That's really not your true motivation to be healthy. It's something else, but that's okay. You can run with that pink cloud for a little while well, crazy, to get your get yourself going. The craziest thing about a pink cloud is it's a cloud. If you if you try to lean on a cloud, you're gonna fall through it. You're gonna fall right through it. I had the same thing around a relationship when I got into program, and it wasn't until I knew I couldn't fix the relationship that I actually got into program. Like once I realized that that wasn't the thing, that it wasn't gonna work like that, that I couldn't do this for that. Right. You had to do it for yourself. You know. Did you have that kind of a, a feeling? Um, well, no, like basically it happened sort of organically where I'm getting healthy, meeting people, you know, doing fellowship and having conversations with people and building. And I got a new therapist and, um, an additional therapist. I kept my old one too, but you know, I got to keep everyone in business and two therapists, two therapists, uh, one of, one of which I see twice a week. I do a regular and a group and then I do another individual. So I'm in and a sponsor too. I've been sponsorless for a long time. I have to be, if I'm being fully honest. That's I not good. I know, I know. But a therapist is not necessarily a therapist a is not sponsor. a sponsor. No. A therapist is not a sponsor. But, I mean, again, that goes back to what I was saying before. And I know some people say this is bullshit. But that's what goes back, to, again, about keeping your program and what works for you. Sure. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. I think it's important for everyone who's in 12-step to, you know, really try in earnest to complete the steps. Like, that is a, that's an important. It's worth doing it it's if an, you're doing it. It's an important thing to do. But it's not the only thing. Um, and, in fact, I once asked my therapist, who has been in recovery forever, I asked him, I was like, what do you think is more important? And, obviously, I was asking this as a loaded question because... I was looking for what worked for me. A specific answer. But but I was but I, I knew he'd tell me the truth. I said keeping an intensely rigorous program or living with rigorous honesty. And his response was rigorous honesty is the most important thing in terms of it doesn't it doesn't necessarily do the things that step work will do. But in my case, living with rigorous honesty literally will keep me honest. So if I'm being forced to be kept honest with myself in my life, as a result of that, all of my decisions are going to be better. Perfect world, you're doing both. You're living with rigorous honesty, Listen, you're keeping a great program, but we all have our moments. A rigorous, honest life is a baseline for a great program. And it's also just like, you can't really get fucked with if you're actually living with rigorous honesty. No, yeah. it's so freeing. Yeah. Oh my God, it's like, man. And once you really start, so here's the thing. My nature is to be honest. I hate lying. Always hated lying. Never was comfortable with it. Felt immense guilt around it. Didn't lie to my parents. But I told my parents too much stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, I was really, right. I'm a natural born snitch. Okay. Um, as evidenced by me doing this podcast. Um, you so, haven't snitched anybody out. No, no, no. no, no just no, no, just, where the bodies are buried. No, exactly. No, no. Just in terms of myself, like right. I, I, I really do prefer to be honest. But when you start seeking validation all the time and you're in a relationship, well, now living with that honesty becomes a challenge. So you start living with lots of plausible deniability. Well, no one ever asked me directly about this. But like, that's how crazy I am. I had things in my life where I felt guilty about it. If, the, if my wife had asked me straight up, when you were in LA, 
did you hang out with that person who used to be friends? If she had asked me straight up, you would have had to say, yes. I would have had to say yes. I could not have looked her in the eyes and been like, no, but you lied by omission, but I lied by omission. Right. So, Which is really like horrible creep. It, it creeps yourself out because you're like, ah, I want to just say it and she's not going to ask me. And I have this thing over my head. And so now, you know, in my version of life now, it's like, oh, I, yeah, I, I love not having omission, you know, like. I have to I have to pick my battles to not reveal too much for no reason. Like I just enjoy It's a fine line. It's a fine line. Yeah, because you don't need to tell someone every feeling you're having at every single second. Um that could end up just being hurtful and you're not being now you're just not being kind anymore. You're just giving them too much information. It's like where I go to tw to 12 step, it's long, like I go in Eastern Long Island. It's a bunch of like total fucko guys. My my sponsor has real deal tattooed on his knuckles Mage. but it's r-e-e-l he has a big tattoo on his neck he's a contractor and everyone's like just keep your fucking mouth shut that's that's the only thing in long island 12 step that means anything just keep your and my sponsors my, or my therapist is like you need to talk about this you need to tell her what you need i'm like no 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 no, no. I, when i when i listen to my therapist instead of my sponsor i get into trouble when i keep my fucking mouth shut Everything kind of works out. It's funny though, because it's like, I'm like you, I want to say everything. I want to confess everything. I want to give my opinion about everything, but that keep your fucking mouth shut, man. It's like that. It's great for me. Well, the, the beauty is though, is that if you start living, if you make rigorous honesty, your priority where, you know, you're going to be honest with the people you love, there's not a lot you have to omit. Because you're generally making decisions that you're comfortable with. In my in my world, it's like we went and we bought a sectional couch. Like, you know, I was like, my wife was like, I want to get a sectional couch. And I was like, okay, I guess I could figure out a way to get a sectional couch. And we get a sectional couch and I come home and I see it and I'm like, it doesn't look right. It's like, it's a little, it's it's not in the room right. It's like in too much. And, I'm, and I... If I was listening to my sponsor, I'd keep my fucking mouth shut and not say anything about this couch except how amazing it is. Because it could create a problem. And it did. And we're trying to avoid a problem. Exactly. Exactly. But so I, and, I, and you strike me as someone who's very opinionated. I am. So do you find that your opinions get you into trouble? I mean, they have in my life, sure. I mean, I, I, I have a tendency to get into like these public dust ups with people that usually come from just me needing to give my opinion about something that really doesn't concern me. That's interesting. So like, and that's prior to program. Uh, and, and, and post. Okay. The, the most classic Peter Rosenberg dust up that I've read about is your classic clash with superstar Nicki Minaj. That is the biggest one. Yes. And did you get high off it at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. At the time for, for sure. It was, I was super high off it. I mean, I was, that was the, 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 the week, the couple of weeks around that was the hottest I've ever been. Tell the story. I think the audience would like it if you don't mind. Okay. So the, the short version is I hate to be this guy, but like, cause like half of you, most everyone listening here doesn't know who I am, but, you the, don't know. but the people who are listening are like, well, this is the story I know, but I'm going to tell you quickly. So this is the thing I tell in every interview, but I, uh, uh oh. Now uh, I feel bad that no, I... No, 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 you should. It's I part of my the, story. I think the Nicki Minaj contingency it's, it's, of the fan base will be like, I know who Nicki Minaj is. Right, no, no, it's it's an important it's an important piece of my story for sure. So in 2012, we're doing our yearly Summer Jam concert, which is Hot 97's huge hip-hop concert. Um, and I'm hosting outside on the festival stage, which is seen as the place where more underground acts perform. I'm about to introduce an up-and-coming rapper named Kendrick Lamar. Who you love. 
who I love, and at that point was really just starting to enjoy. And in my um, in my attempt to hype the crowd, or as we say in pro wrestling, get a cheap pop from the crowd, I said, you know, who's here for that real shit? Y'all aren't here for that Starship's bullshit or something like that. What did the crowd do? Cheered. Okay. Cheered. They were, they, they, I mean, listen, you, you curse enough and you set people up, they'll cheer. And Starships was Nicki Minaj's single at that time that I had been also crucifying on the radio for a few months already. I right. hated it. And what I didn't realize when I did that was that our festival stage was streaming live on Nicki's channel. Classic. So as I diss Starships, all of her fans see it. Uh, if you're not aware, Nicki has a rabid fan base called Barb's. They see it. They go crazy. I walk inside. Ebro, who at that time was running um, Summer Jam, sees me and says, hey, did you say something about Nicki Minaj? I legitimately have to think about it because it was so... You were high on stage, too. Yeah, I was high on stage. I didn't even think about what I said. I was like, did I say anything about Nicki Minaj? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did say a little something about Starships. He was like, well, she pulled out of the show. Was it that day or the next day? No, no, it was only one day. It was an hour later. So he was like, well, she pulled out of the show. So I said, oh. That's not good. <laughs> so I go and open up, you know, naturally, you got to search for the high now. I open up Twitter and my name is just trending. Just, just my name is trending. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't, this probably isn't good. But at the same time, oh, this is so what's good. happening? Yeah. I mean, this is very exciting though. Very exciting. So I click on it. It's just, I mean, it's an endless array of comments. Um, negative, positive, everything. Just like, you know. Feed me more. Isn't right that in, right in? You know it, it. So and that Hot ninety seven ended up being supportive. Um, you got Lauren Hill and Nas to do it instead. They they, she, they were already they were already around. We flipped it and made it. You know, we like gave the crowd something awesome. You got Lauren Hill and Nas. Don't worry, you didn't get Nicki Minaj. A year later, Nicki and I had like a sit down interview, in which, in retrospect, I really like ate shit and totally ate too much crow. But you know, I was trying to make amends as I saw it and make things good with her. And I like, she really said some shit in retrospect that I was like, I kind of like to have that moment back. Cause she said, I, she never found me smart or funny. And I just want to be like, well, you have a bad sense you, yeah, of all that you, stuff. You don't have a good sense. You, of humor you have a bad then. sense of humor and you really don't know who smart people are, but it's okay. Um, so, and, and by the way, she has now since admitted it's the worst song she ever made. Biggest mistake of her career. Did you go after her during COVID at all? Or you just like, we're like, no, you're not going to do no, it. No, 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 no. I don't. With, I with don't, that whole vaccine, whatever. No, nope. nope. I stay away 100%. The only thing, if I, if we have Nikki on the show again, I am going to say to her, do you want to apologize to me now? Because you now you hate. too far. Well, you hate starships more than I hate it. You now agree with everything I said, and you made me sit here and eat complete shit in front of you, and now we feel the exact same way. All I ever said was that I didn't like that song. I never dissed her as a person. I hope you get that moment. I do too. I, I really and, do. And I'm sure it won't go well, but I, I, I do need to ask it, because the fact that she, in an interview, publicly said, like, I hate that song, and at no moment thought, you know what? I actually got to give a shout out to Peter Rosenberg. I gave him a really hard time. He was right. Because I, I know that would be hard to do, but that's actually how she feels, seemingly. But yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because, like, I'm just like you. I want to see myself in in all of these situations, and like, like why shouldn't you? But it's like, it must be very difficult, and it's difficult for me. Like, I do, 
I do a podcast and like, I'm very clear about this podcast. This podcast is not service work. This is me trying to make a talk show. I always wanted to have a talk show and now look, we're having a talk show. Right. It's like, I happen to be a drug addict in recovery. The show happens to be about drugs, addiction and dumb shit. And I think you cover some of it. Um, <laughs> if not the DMT vaping, other aspects, but like, when I get high off of the adulation or off of somebody saying they got sober because of the show, is that okay? Like as somebody who has a problem with validation and attention and your job is to get attention, when is it good? <sighs> I, when I feel good about validation, purely good, like that's a good feeling and I feel no shame around it. It's when my girlfriend says something to me about something that I did, you know, where I can tell she watched and she's like, yo, the other day I hosted a thing um, for 2K, uh, the, the release of WW2K. And it was this live stream and had a lot of moving parts and I was the host of it, whatever. And afterwards, Natalie was like, you're so talented. She was like, you're just so good. Like, I can't believe how good you are at everything that you do. Like when it comes to you hosting, you're just so good. That I was like, she, she means that. Uh, I love her and care about her opinion. This is a worthwhile thing to feel good about. It felt nice. That, that feels nice. really nice. What I try not to do is get gassed off of just the tweet that says, yo, saw, saw you doing that 2K shit. I, that's not worth feeling high for. It, that, what is that? That's literally you're just seeking out a morsel of your name being said in public. For me, it's like, I'm like, okay, they like it. They like it. Okay. Nothing bad. I'm like constantly scanning for somebody to be like, I don't like it. And then like, well, I get, I don't like it's every day. So like when you get it, I mean like when I get a bad review or like a comment, it really bugs me out in, in like an unnatural way. Like it's something like, I know I should be more comfortable with. I know I shouldn't care. Does it, does it ever hit you like oh, that? Oh yeah, I, I respond to negative way more than positive. I get into full, I get into arguments in my comments. You know, if someone's like, says something that I find offensive or inaccurate, I will go back and forth with them. I don't think I should. I think it's stupid. I think every back and forth I've had recently publicly um, have, have been unnecessary and avoidable. In the end, I didn't feel good. I, gotten, I, I get into things with people who are nasty. I have a tendency to want to step up against people that I can tell are nasty, and I want to fight against those people with every like bone in my body. Th those are not the people to fight with. Right, because that's all they want. That's all they, they, they want. Succubuses. They, they live off the fucking fight. They're living off the fight. And, and in my experiences with most everyone I've ever really gotten into it with, like I'm not talking about Nikki. Nikki was about one specific thing. I mean like people who I've really had like a back and forth war of words about like where it continues. I, I know they're bad. Like I know I can see them. I can see that like you are not kind. You're, this is, you are You don't not, have a program. You do, yeah, you are not <laughs> keeping any sort of program at all. Right. There's no part of you that's gonna feel bad about this. Whereas I have a tendency, I get into it with them, and then three days later, I send them a DM right. like, "Hey, I, this was too much." Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. And then guess what they do? They air out the DMs. They go out and they go, right. "This look, bitch look just DM me." I go, "Why? Well, I know you think I'm a bitch because I'm apologizing, That's but great. I actually consider that being a good person." But whatever. What about this Jason Lee bullshit? I don't even know who it was. I thought That's it was a perfect Jason. example. I thought it was Jason Lee from Mall the Rats. actor. Yeah. yeah, I know. A lot of people said that. That's a, that's just a great example of it. Like you know. 
I got offended by him saying things about me on like random, someone would send me a clip of him talking about something related to our show. And in doing so, the morning show. Yeah. And in doing so, when he br- mentioned me, he would just be like, ah, oh, that white boy, culture vulture. Mm. And th- th- those specific words would, would resonate with me as like, okay. And meanwhile, we'd had him on our show. And while I, I don't remember like loving him in the interview or vice versa, it certainly wasn't nasty. It was respectful for sure. So you come in, you do a respectful interview on our show. And then the next time I see you talking on the internet, you're calling me a culture vulture. Like I, I have a problem with that. That upsets me. Um, I really, really care about my reputation in hip hop. And I know there are people who don't like me for many reasons, but one thing it would be really hard to accuse me of is that I take more than I give. That's a really tough argument to make. I spend a lot of time giving to artists and to music and uh, to the right things in hip hop in a way that is not financially, you know, rewarded. Right. But that's also what you love about hip hop. You know, that, that like you love the culture. You know, you're not in it for the fucking smashes. You're in it for amazing music. That's a, that that's yo bro. Like, and I, I'll weigh out whether I should say this out loud or not, but it's a perfect example of what I'm saying. When they hired me two weeks ago or whatever, they called me to do the Fife SOBs thing. They, it's a, it's a promoted event. So they're like, you know, uh, we can talk about budget. The second they say that, I go, there is no budget. This is for Fife's estate, right? I don't want, but there's no budget. No, no one's paying me to host something for, for Fife. No one's pay, paying me to host something for any of the things that I've done about hip hop that I really, honestly, I don't get paid for basically any of that stuff. Even my birthday parties that I did where I put on concerts for artists, a couple of them I made a few thousand dollars for sure, like a few grand. But by and large, I, I, would, get, I would get a budget from a promoter I would take that budget, I'd spend it on the artist so they could make money. They'd come to the show, everyone have a great show. And if I walked away with a couple grand at the end, sweet. But I never made anything close to what the artists were making. Like that wasn't- That wasn't your agenda. That, that wasn't my agenda that in the least bit. hasn't been your career. Did you go back on him? So, so then what happened was, and this is where I'm stupid, and I'd understand him, and I'd understand his response being negative to me, is that then later someone posted something about him and I responded in the comments. Someone who I follow posted, and I'm in the comments Low like, fruit, right? I'm like, yo, why are you guys talking to this clown? Right. You know, like I just kind of talk shit. Right. So he sees that. He's like, he, he cares about me. He, he, thinks, he made his day. He th- well, he thinks, he thinks it's out of the blue. Well, yes, I hear what you're saying. But his, his logic that he's explained it with is, he thinks I just attacked him out of the blue. We all tell our own stories, right? So Jason's version of this story is, he came on our show. And then a few, and then a two years later, I just decided to shit on him in comments. That's your version of the story. My version of the story is you came and did our show. A year later, I see you talking shit and calling me a culture vulture in public, something I'm very sensitive about for no reason. And then I responded to you. But he we went all to have town. our own narrative. He went to town oh, about to you town. on Drink Champs. Oh, he, yeah, that was after, that was after. He went. I mean, he went to town, town to ten minutes. I. I reached out to him and said, yo, you want to have a conversation? He said publicly, I'd love to have a conversation. You can come on my show. All right, I'll come on your show. Let's talk about it. Let me tell you exactly why you offended me. You can tell me how I offended you. And we can either move forward or not. I'm good with that. Um, but that's good show business. And it's also like good human relationship. Listen, again, I sent the DM. And he put it up? He, I, I don't know if he put it up. He didn't put it up. I, I think he may have made fun of it. He didn't reply to me. There, there's no attempt to actually talk. 
So like these cats don't really want to do that. Like they but, don't really want to have a conversation about whatever the issue is. So I, I don't, but, but that's my fault. I don't need to start these conversations. It's not worthwhile. I think it's interesting because in, in wrestling, obviously conflict drama is the, is the, the grist of the mill. It's the greatest part besides the athleticism, the storyline oh, yeah. is the best hip hop besides the, the beats and the rhymes, the, the interplay It's like, it's, it's so important. So like how much program is ever in those art forms? Like how often do you see recovery in wrestling or in hip hop? Meaning empathy, um, kindness. I mean, that's a, that's. I mean, I, I meant like what hardcore mean? program, but sure. Oh, empathy. you mean you mean you mean actually seeing people in program? Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're a decent amount. I mean, listen, we all, everyone has their own struggle, and you know, my my personal issues. My when it comes to your, when it comes to what's what's the motto for the show again? Drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. You, you know, I really fall hardcore into the dumb shit, so I might not have the same kind of conversation with people whose first thing is the drugs, right? They may not see me as someone that they would chat with about that, but, oh, in both fields, you see it, for sure, because they're both fields in which people went really hard, you know, whether it was partying, whether it was um, just hard times on their body and needing to get help in that, you know, like, there's a lot of reasons for it so nah, you see your share of recovery but i mean in terms of like the behavior where publicly people are like hey i want to make amends to someone um i have an issue i want to i want to point out my own shortcomings right no you don't there's not a lot of that no all right well does anyone in those industries recognize your recovery like have you ever have you ever demonstrated program to to like in these kind of situations where it's like, you know, even in wrestling, like I think Ric Flair recently had some kind of public problem and I know you're tight with him. Do you ever like offer recovery morsels to him? No, no, I, I, I would not. I'd have to really organically get there with someone telling me about their life and what they're trying to do. Um, you know, in the case of someone like Rick, I'm just supportive. Um, I've seen I've seen him get into a much better place and I'm just happy that I see him well but he knows what he, he's been on this path for 70 years you know what I mean um if someone were to ask me I would certainly volunteer help to anyone um but like I said you know people are going to people want someone who have a who has a shared experience um that's the number one thing like general broad stroke reco recovery there are going to be people listening to me right now being like I don't even know what this dude's talking about. Like this is not, and then there are gonna be other people listening going, oh, I know exactly what this dude's talking about. You know what I mean? And you wanna seek someone out who has experience in the area that you have. You know, I, I was fortunate to meet people who were really helpful to me because of experiences they had. My situation played out differently than most of them. Most of them ended up like getting back together with their wife, everything worked out in the end. My path didn't go that way. You know, I had to go through the whole process in very short order. It was like, I was... When did it all go down? October 2018, it started. Paper signed May 1st, 2019. Which for anyone who's ever been around a divorce knows... Fast. That's fucking fast. That's obscene. Right. I mean, you know, Kanye and Kim are at separated now for like a couple of years. Like this this thing is... It, it takes time. And it did not take any time. It was... 
And when you say things happen the way they should, I always say things happen the way they do. You know what I mean? It's like, if it's happening, that's what's fucking happening. It didn't happen the other way. No, and, and listen, and, and in the case of me, it took a while for me to believe that what happened was not like... One of the most painful things about loss and making mistakes is struggling to accept, right? Like lack of acceptance is a big problem. It, it is painful to yes. not accept. Yes. Once I gained acceptance, A, first of all, that like my life was different and it was going to be different now. First, I had to get to accepting that. Like, hey, that whole thing that you knew, that whole thing that like the last 14 years or whatever that you thought was one way, that's no longer going to be what it is. That takes time. Once I accepted that, then later after that, the real joy starts to come in when you accept, oh, all those things that happened weren't, yes, mistakes were made, regretful things happened, but none of it's a mistake. It's all just what happened. It's all just what happened and here's where we are. And where I am now is a really lovely, healthy, um, positive feeling place. I'm not saying I don't have my moments like we just talked about where like I feel I get into it with someone I shouldn't and I make myself upset and I'm like, oh, I acted erratically because I was chasing validation. It still happens. But by and large, I feel really blessed and fortunate with all the people I have around me. And many of them came through that process. You know, like I have people in my life, I have random people in my life who I would not have thought would be on my short list of people I call when something important happens. And yet there they are. And yet they're there. Totally. Are. And it's like, for me, what I learned, I mean, like acceptance is a lot of different things. Like you want acceptance from other people. You have to accept the way things are. I need acceptance to realize that even if something is bothering me, things can be okay. You know? And it's like, that, it's like acceptance is an, is an amazing word, amazing tool. Now also before we're almost done, we're just about okay. finished. Okay. You, your career is such that you might be interviewing Jay-Z one day, the next day you're talking to Ric Flair, the next day you're, you're, you're talking to LeBron James. Like, it's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had a day where specifically it was like Jay-Z one day, LeBron the next. That would be a hell of a week. But yes, your point is exactly true. It's a wild combination of people. I have given, I have weeks where the list of people that I spoke to during that week like if I'd been writing it down forever, which is a regret, if I'd been writing it down, like which my weekly calendar forever, you go. And I do have my calendar the last couple of years, but if I've been doing it forever, forever. Be some it, names. Dude. Who is your, what's, give me, give me the top five. Uh, I, I, top 10? Uh, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, the, you mean people that I've spent, like Just interviewed? like for you, like where it's like, holy shit. Oh, it's, it, okay. I'll say, I'll say the people that I have relationships with, you know, ranging from either being friendly or having some sort of bond or connection, whether it's, I'm not talking about best friends in some cases. I'm, um, I mean, I, I grew up obsessed with Mike Tyson and then I did a podcast with Tyson. For Fight the mic. Yeah. I couldn't, the they wouldn't let me listen to it. It's, it's dead. He, he now he got a better podcast with smarter people who ran it and it wasn't me who ran it. He got a smarter podcast. They set it up brilliantly. It's him smoking weed in his house. It's right, perfect. Right. So yeah, Bite the Mic is dead. But I have all the shows. Um, but that that meant getting to really know a childhood like I just icon in my life. Is he cool? Oh, I love Tyson. Okay. He'd be great. He'd be great for you to have one day. I know. Obviously, his recovery talk is really, really interesting. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll listen. Keep keep going, and at some point, I'll try to yeah, cross that bridge. But yeah. he's he's really he's excellent. Um, 
you know, Snoop, I think is pretty cool to have any sort of like memories to be like, oh, there was one time I smoked with Snoop or did, I mean, that's fucking cool. He um, was sweet. Oh, Snoop's awesome. Snoop's, Snoop's super cool. Um, I've had moments with Nas, Hove, Eminem, um, athlete wise. I've had LeBron James moments before. I've, I've, uh, I've interviewed Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. I, I don't know who I like. I, honestly, of the names of the last yeah, I hear you. 15 years, it's like it's been incredible. I, I mean, I got to be very close with Mac Miller, who I consider to be an all time. He's a dopey legend. I mean, he must be for your audience. I'd imagine is high level. And, you know, and him and I. So. Mac's a really interesting dude because we had a relationship where we weren't super close on a regular basis. We would have ebbs and flows of talking to each other. But for whatever reason, I think because I'm older and I always worried about him, I would always ask him about recovery when I saw him. This is before I knew anything about recovery, but I just... You knew he needed it. I knew he needed it. Mm -hmm. And so when I'd see him, I would just be like, how are you? And, uh, and he'd always like answer first and I'd be like, but how are you? Right. You know? And he knew exactly what I meant. And he'd give me, I think, a, a pretty honest answer about where he was in that moment. And usually, of course, it was followed by like, I'm good, though. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. But now in retrospect, you know, I remember he was putting out his second album and he had the house in California that he did the TV show at. And, you know, for Mac Miller fans, they'll know the period that I'm talking about. He had this house in Studio City, this big ass house where, you know, girls hang out all the time and other artists were always there. Right. I was in California for a trip and he asked me to come by and listen to his next album. And we sat there, you know, and smoked an endless uh, chain of cigarettes and listened to his album. And I remember at the time sort of like laughing because I'm like, rappers are so funny. They always want you to listen to the whole fucking thing. Right. Every fucking song. And if you remember Mac's second album, it's a long album. It's I think it's 18 songs, maybe something like that. And I I remember just being like, wow, this is so long. I've been here for a very long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm still listening. It's really, really good. But like, and the artists are always, you know, when they play you an album, they're like so focused on it. Each spot, they're like, listen to this spot. Right, and you can tell, and you don't want to talk too much, because if you talk too much, you're going to miss a part they care about. Right. And hold on, I'm looking at the exact number of tracks so I can tell the story properly. Watching movies with the sound off. Of course, Spotify doesn't list actual tracks. No, maybe, oh, 16, 16 songs. It's in retrospect, it's an hour and two minutes. What he played me was probably longer, because right. it wasn't the, the final album, so it was probably a little bit longer. But what that. a moment. But in retrospect, it's like, I was in a rush to some degree because you, I mean, but that's how you life don't is, right? Isn't that, that's like how life is. With and now everything. it's, now it's, it'll end up being one of the most treasured moments of my life that I just sat alone with him and listened to his album and he took me through it. We talked all about it. It wasn't recorded. It wasn't, I have one photo of him just sitting in a chair, smoking a cigarette. That's it. Was he high? I don't, I mean, not, not an active, not ridiculously. No, not no. He, I can't remember if he smoked weed, but he certainly wasn't out of it. This is the, one of the fascinating things about Mac is man. I never saw Mac out of it. I never saw Mac in a bad way in any way. It was every experience I had with him was beautiful, you know, and I didn't, I always appreciated him. Um, once we got to know each other, I always liked him and thought he was super talented, but I didn't fall in love with his music until swimming, which was to me his swimming in circles are his two best bodies of work. And one was out for like weeks before he died. And then the next one's posthumous, you know? And so now, and then when I met Natalie, 
Natalie loves. I mean, she has a spiritual connection right. to Mac Miller, particularly through those albums. So he's become this incredibly important musical part of I've my like life now too. I like the whole thing. Like I just hear bits of it now. Like I think I was too high, too old, oh, too man. something. I Listen, I today I go back to today. Swimming and circles go together. They were meant to be one project. Swimming in circles. Wow. But there's swimming and there's circles. He finished them both. Circles was almost done. They finished after he died, but it was basically done. Just start swimming on track one and listen to swimming in circles. It's not. It's not that it's upbeat. It's not that it's depressing or morose. It just makes you feel like you will just feel listening to that music. I He's, will check it out. It's real. I couldn't recommend it more. Um, I can't tell you how exciting it's been to have you in my father's kitchen. <laughs> it's a beautiful kitchen, by the it's way. It's not bad. We need to. Well, no, we, I mean, listen. I'm looking to buy a home right now. This would be a non-starter for my girlfriend. We have a lot of work we need to do. This is all coming my out. My grandfather built up. that. I, I, he built that in 1976. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it's ama- he did an amazing job it's, in 1976. Look, it's, it's still here. Yeah. It's still working. My Cabinets dad, open. That's like the one. Sort of close. Uh, listen, take it easy. That's like the <laughs> one thing that my father did with my grandfather. And it's here. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like he's like. Yeah, me and my dad made those. And me and my dad made nothing. <laughs> Never. So I'm like, why didn't you ever make anything with me? I'll tell you this, though. Oven needs to be, needs a re-up. The See, countertops. That's the, re- that's the re-upped oven, too. And that's the, what, 1985? No, I think that's the 2002. Really? That's the budget 2002. Well, I, about to say, I about to say, in 2002, that was low end that's still. That's the low. And yeah. my dad is, But I'll know. tell you what, though, Jewish home. The fridge is still popping. Fridge is big. Got the ice maker. Look at the the air conditioner yeah. with the plastic bags wedged in. The air conditioner that's is rough. special. It's rough. It's special. It's rough. But I would I could have you on forever. Thank you for coming. Thank you for revealing as much as you're comfortable revealing. I think you, you dropped some good stuff. I I, I hope to. I, listen. I I the truth is this. I actually plan on having a future more in this space in talking about these things for myself. So you'll come back? Oh, absolutely. I'll come back to promote what I'm doing because I do at some point want to spend a little bit more time, um, particularly on like, you know, the post-divorce thing. I think that uh, men post-divorce is not a subject that's really delved into a lot. No, or and even it's, breakups in general. And breakups in general, and particularly for men, it's it's uh, it's just we don't talk about it that much. And guess what? It's really fucking hard. Um, but now I love that like the way my story is going is I finally get to, I was dreaming of like, can I just get to the place where there's a happy ending one day? I just want to get to the happy ending where I can be like, see, it works out. And now I finally, you know, thanks to really hard work, great support and meeting an amazing woman a couple years later when I was ready, I now feel like I'm getting to this great part of the story. You're in a great moment. There's no, there's no endings until we're fucking in the dirt. Goddamn right. Um, the other thing is what would be the dream? Like you're working fucking every job right now. What would be the dream? Um, the dream would be my number one dream. Uh, let's see if I'm being honest, honest. I always said it always was built in to be like late night talk show host was my thing. Okay. I was like, that's, and now it feels like, uh, I, I, would that still be the case? Would I still be able to ever be at this point? What I dreamed of being, I guess, I guess if Jimmy Kimmel were to call and say, I want to make you my heir apparent. Like, I think you could be the next me. I'm going to do this for another 10 years. You'll, you'll be in your early 50s then. You can start in 10 years. I would take Jimmy Kimmel's job. That's I, the I, dream. I would love that. But in reality now that A, I'm already 42. I have to start being realistic about where I am, and that's okay. And B, I've been around TV stuff more and seen how much shit it involves. I guess I'd be really happy, and I would take the dream being 
every day I wake up, broadcast from home, hmm. and do like a two-hour show of whatever sort, radio, streaming, whatever it is, whatever I feel like doing two hours a day, five days a week, that's it. That to me, would be if, it. That, oh dude, if I could live like, even if it was at night, it could be 10 p.m. every weeknight for two hours. I just have, I take my calls, talk to me about the shit I'm feeling, things I'm not feeling, two hours a day, 10 hours a week, live off that. And then, cause listen, I wanna have a family and obviously I'm gonna be an older dad already when I get there, right? So it's like, I wanna have a schedule where I can be an older dad and still do what I do. I think that would be the dream. I love it. Dude, thank you. Thank you, man. Right on. Was it the best podcast you've ever been on? Literally the best podcast. It's up there. It's up there. It's up there. All right. So that was Pete Rosenberg. That was great. When I asked him, uh, was this the best podcast you've ever been on, what did you expect him to say, Ray Brown? Uh, I don't know. Did he say dopey? No, he said, I said, was this the greatest podcast? He said it was the second best. He said it was up there. Is up what there. He said. But, um, you know, my dad doesn't, I used to, what I used to say is, did you have a good time? Yeah. And my dad didn't like that. So I stopped asking that. And you said, is this the best podcast? Now I podcast? say, was this the greatest? That's my new <laughs> question, because I think of my, I want to say, did you have a good time? And I think Most of my dad. Most people say yes. They, I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, no one has said no yet, but I'm sure somebody will, right? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe they just did Marin and Rogan, and then you asked them that. But maybe mine is better. better. Maybe Not dopey. Maybe dopey is better. A lot of people say it is. I've seen people write that this show is better than Marin or Rogan. Well, I like that. Um, what did you like about Peter Rosenberg? You know, I I really liked the, his thing, which we talked about earlier, is social media, mm. and that because at first I was like, why is this dude on here? He's he smokes and he drinks, and then it was revealed like 20 minutes in or more that he's in a program for like being attached to people and to social media things and that being an addiction. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, social media is like, it's bad news. It's, it's so bad. It's like even just scrolling. Yeah. Like, like forget posting and yeah. seeing how many people like what you've decided to share. Yeah. And like if you're worth anything based on how many and people. And looking what other people, how much the numbers are for other people. And, and people don't talk. They say it's really bad for like 13 year old girls. I'm like it's really bad for old men too. Because we're a lot like 13 year old <laughs> girls. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. Like, or just like. I've talked about this before, but like, I, it's it's almost like smoking cigarettes. Like that, I need to check yeah. what's happening on yeah. Instagram, and w nothing's, nothing's happening. happening. Yeah. It's like this guy likes his wife, this woman likes her husband, this guy likes to play guitar, this guy likes to exercise. Yeah. It's like, and all it's just more of that. Oh, I don't exercise as much as this guy. Yeah. Oh, I don't look as good as this guy. Oh, people don't like me as much as that guy. Oh, I can't believe he got that guy on his podcast. Yeah. It's like, oh. And then, and then, like, women will post something and, like, the same guy, like, some guy from their job will, like, like everything. And then they're like, it's so creepy. He he likes everything. Well, like, well. It's like, what, what exact? It's like, what did, why did you post it if you didn't want them to? I, I like things all the time. And I'm like, did I really like it? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I mean, like, I, I feel like often when I'm liking things, I'm like making it rain at the strip club. I'm like, yeah, totally. You get a like. I don't feel like you like any of my social media. Nothing. I don't. I don't participate in social media at all. You're done. 
Yeah. So instead, you just watch hours of YouTube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've traded in all your social media addiction for YouTube. And I read. What do you read? I read history books. Oh, give me a break. What do you read? What do you read? I, I just read an American history book. What was it? What was it called? It was called the, uh, what's the word? It's like the hard times. It's like very early European. You read this whole book? Yeah. It's called like the desperate Break years. Break it down. Are you wearing your glasses in a chair with a light behind you or do you have a, a light attached to the book? I, the book is on my computer. So you're reading your Kindle. computer? Yeah, Kindle. Are you often distracted with YouTube as you're reading? No, this book I read was so fascinating. And I, I, like, I saw my family tree and I, I want to talk more about Peter, but I saw my family tree and like they were in Jamestown and they were in uh, Mayflower, uh, Plymouth Colony. I'm like, what was that like? And then I found this book and it was like, it was brutal. That's what it was like. Nice. They, they kept say, sending messages back to England going, send more people. Everyone's dying. The ones you sent here are all dead. Well, life was short and hard. <laughs> life was short and I, saw, I saw in my family tree so many like 10 year olds are orphaned. Like there's like five kids and they have no parents. Well, what was average lifespan? I don't know. Short, but, short. But yeah, I love that thing about Peter. And, and you and I were saying you wished you had talked more about hip hop because obviously he's a source of information but um, I would have liked to have heard more I'm going to look him up now this Juan Ep he, he had started a podcast called Juan Epstein which was about like it was interviews with, yeah. with, with hip hop people and now it's more of like a hip hop documentary shit he did like a seven episode thing about Jay Z oh okay I've, I've seen that and you love Jay Z uh, yeah, I've probably listened to the the Chronic and the Blueprint more than any other album. You know, I cried at the Super Bowl halftime show. Because of Dre. Yeah, I was just like, came out of nowhere. And then I've watched that like 30 times full since then. And I was like, why does this look so different? Like, there was this like famous artist designed the set, but there was no, no theatrical lighting. It was all natural light. It was all just white. And it was like California, you know, how it is in the sun out there. That's how the set was. I thought it was just so cool. You know, I, I wanted to hear nothing but a G thing. I would have liked to have heard deep cover. You know, like, I, I that, I mean, like, I, I'm so old. I'm like, um, I don't, li I didn't listen to anything, but I wanted to hear nothing like a G, nothing. What yeah. is it? Ain't nothing like a G thing? Yeah, but I thought. Nothing but a G thing. I thought the set list was perfect. And what's you, funny you don't want to hear one, two. Three and two, yeah. Four. Well, I was shocked that Jay Z wrote "Still Dre." Like that just blew my mind. And Snoop smoked weed at the at the. He smoked weed on the stage. And he's dressed. He's dressed. He's like dressed a, Crip colors. Like, everyone, all right, everybody's fine with it. It's weird. And I looked up the lyrics to uh, the first episode, which was the opening, and like the original lyrics are so filthy. Like they really edited them. And I listened to the album. And like they, the music was better at the Super Bowl. They, they, uh, what do you call it? Mastered that again. There was a band though. There was that like, wasn't real. That was real. No, it wasn't. are you sure? They were lips, like they were all lip syncing. Wow. The it, it, nothing on the Super Bowl is real. Nothing. What no. about the game? Yes. Okay. Um. What about what else about Peter Rosenberg? Did you think? Oh, uh, I can't. I just I just listened this morning. Um, no, I really enjoyed listening to him, and it's nice to have somebody come on the show who's not a total junkie. Who's not a junkie. Or an alcoholic. Right. We have Dave Mascalani in Australia and Peter. And then, like, also, I think I, I, I played it for somebody, and they were talking about how interesting it is that 
12 step could help somebody who's not like you go to the playa and have a cerveza yeah, yeah. and you're ruined or you're a total fucking no, heroin it, it addict. It applies to a lot of other things. It can make a lot of people just have. I, I liked him talking about radio too because like I haven't listened to radio in years, but it was like KTU, BLS, like me first listening to rap when it was very new, it was just started of like uh, Kiss, BLS and KTU. It was like revelation. Like they would put something on and you'd be like, oh my God, that we've never heard anything like that. When I was a kid, I didn't listen to hip hop radio. I would just we I would I watched Yo MTV Raps and Video Music Box to death. Yeah. Like yo, I, I would come home from school at three o'clock and put on Yo MTV Raps every day, and so like I just knew the single because they had a video for it, you know. Yeah. And like I heard Peter talking about it on another podcast. How the interesting thing about rap music, since it's still so young that no one knew what it would be like to have an artist who's 50. Yeah. You know, like how many records does somebody put out? You know what I mean? And, and like, how does it work? Like it's a young man's game because there were no old rappers at right, the time. Right. So I don't know. It's like, but to hear like Roxanne Shante on the radio, like it was just mind blowing. You like Roxanne Roxanne? Yeah. I love, I sing that song almost every day. Here, do you give it a little, before we go, before we go into the voicemail, give me a little Roxanne. Why'd you have to make a record about me? Roxanne, it's Roxanne. It's the best. Um, all right, so here we go. We got a voicemail that I thought was good for Ray. Here, here's, uh, we just got it. Here we go. Oh. Hey, hi, Dave. Um, this is a story about GHB. Uh, I, I, I know that you're interested in GHB uh, naughty behavior, so this I think you might appreciate this one. Okay, so it's 2008 in Tacoma, Washington, and um, Mikey is getting uh, bottles, uh, like quart bottles of GHB from the, the internet. Um, and So the bottles would come, it was, it was a, a Polish car cleaner, um, because GHB is a solvent, and it comes in a liquid, it's a solvent, and it was used as a solvent, a mild solvent, it's great solvent because it doesn't smell and it works good, the only problem is it gets you fucked up if you drink a tiny amount. So, so you take about one to four milliliters, like little, like that's an eyedropper sort of thing, uh, and... So you take a small amount. I mean, you can start and you can build up and you can drink a little bit. You can drink a little capful. But uh, when it really takes you over the edge, it'll just knock you out. That's why it's, it, it has, so it's, it's a dangerous drug for people and it's used in, in violent ways. Um, so you have to be very careful about kind of getting to the knockout level uh, because usually you'll pretty much, you're always knocked out for about three to four hours you are out cold nuts, like cold water slapping you, like it's not. You're breathing and you're alive, but you're just doing a snooze. Um, your heart rate's fine, unless you're hammered, um, or unless you're drinking alcohol. Alcohol and GHB is a really, really bad combination. Uh, and so this also story has that. It's really, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't do that. I wouldn't do it, but I did it. Um, so GHB also, your body processes it into HGH, human growth hormone. So you got um, 
you take the, you get you get fucked up and then you get to do the workout and you get the extra muscle. It for me the effect was similar to alcohol, but it didn't affect my body. Like my mind was swimming, but I wasn't stumbling. And I like to drink, and so I I liked the effect of the GHB because it, it felt like drinking, but also didn't. Um, I could like get up and go to the bathroom and not fall on my face when uh, I was in one, on one, tearing up, eating shrimp in Port Townsend, um, drinking GHB. Uh, so one night. Um, Harold and his girlfriend were over, and we'd all had, we all partied together, take a lot of MDMA together, and usually end up naked doing sexual things together. And we decided, well, we decided, we never decided, we just took, we decided to take drugs that night, and drink and take drugs. And then later, I think when the sexual thing started, um, then the other, okay, so the other thing about GHB is that it, the, the three big, the great side effects are the human growth hormone it makes you want to poop, and it's a big, hard poop. It's a great poop. It's really, a, it's just like the kind of poop you really appreciate. And then also a, a really great boner. Um, really gives you an erection and gives me an erection. And, you know, so it's kind of the, the, the greatest, like, effect of a drug is to give you sexual desire and function, because usually they don't, those are, those are, like, on the graph, exponentially related, go in the opposite direction. And, um, so GHB was kind of just, like, you know, magic, hilarious drug. Also, it's, it's, it can be quite addictive and really a gnarly cycle, because it comes this four-hour, really weird, up-and-down cycle, um, and so... It's, it's, it also, it turns out it's not, it doesn't, it, it's a drug. Um, and so, human growth hormone, poo-poo, and a boner. It's just, and so that's, it's, it's popular in the workout bro scene. It's like a gym, gym rat party uh, drug. And uh, if anybody that likes drugs will do it. And we like drugs. So, we're doing drugs, and I think probably... I don't know. We had a lot of MDMA. Might have been MDMA or 2CB, but might have just been drinking and thought, let's use the GHB later. Like, we got a boner. We want to have a boner. We're getting drugs. And so we didn't have an eyedropper. And so we used... I didn't quite understand the volume that I was dealing with at that point. And I was like, I think a table, a teaspoon is like, is similar. So I think we both, uh, Harold and I both took a, a teaspoon of um, GHB for our erections. And <laughs> it certainly worked for me. Uh, it, it was definitely, that was one of the most dangerous things I've, well, no, that was, but that was up there with the dangerous things. That definitely could have killed us both. And uh, Harold had some, like, kind of some, like, not quite a seizure, some contractions. Um, but everyone was like still having fun. It was uh, it, it was a very sweaty night of sexual activity and um, you know just it's kind of swimming eyes. GHB it's really it's like the part when you take after like the third or fourth dose of Molly when your when your eyes are just kind of swirling around in circles. Uh, it has that kind of wonderful kind of effect, but it keeps you aware enough so you could be in that space 
and your eyes are swimming and your body is like floating somewhere, but you're also right there. Um, you know, every every junkie's dream, just like being awake for the nod. And so somehow we survived that night and everyone's okay. And um, Harold and his wife are all still wonderful together. They're they're great people with great uh, great family. Um, and Mikey, the one that got the um, got us a GHB, is the one that has a MDMA lab and 2CB lab in the basement. Um, they would also occasionally make methamphetamines for just to show off. Um, so I'll have to tell you about that sometime. But uh, I think that's going to have to do it for now. All right. Toodles. Now, the sound quality wasn't great, and uh, but I knew that like when you were like, I'm going to come on the show, I was like, I got to save <laughs> you saved that for I me. I saved it for you. <laughs> like he recorded it in like the engine room or something. Yeah, but it, it, it had a certain dope each in his <laughs> and nothing really happened. No, right? they just, they had boners. Right, but I mean, I, I enjoyed his description, <laughs> and, and I enjoyed his description of the poop. Uh, yeah, and he, he said there's he's going to tell us more in the next email he his name Voicemail. is elias that's a that's elias right yeah and he said we had a full mdma lab in our basement mikey produced some of the purest mdma maps had ever seen uh he got sober we all lived upstate in pine plains and ancrum uh he used to go to the rooms with our boss dan did these people consent to Having their names. No, I think that's not their real names. Okay. You know, and I'm not using the, the last names. And oh, then also he talks about the episode with the guy from Great White, Jack Russell. He says, also, we used to do cannabinol. Have you heard of that? Uh, yeah, can, it's like an oil. Yeah, I never did it. Uh, I think Jack Russell was basically smoking bath salts and someone was oh, calling God. it PCP. If you want to hop on the phone, I would give you some other options. If you want to pick something, I've got a library of insanity, Eli. Thank you, Elias. Uh, Ray Brown, anything you want to say before we go? How is your, how, do you have any shame in what? your story? No. Why not? No shame. No shame in your I just your didn't game? want to come on here and talk about it. So why did you? Well, I don't know. What changed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it shouldn't be ashamed. So you didn't want to. I felt like a hypocrite. You didn't want to come on here and talk about it, and yet you did. Why did you do it, Ray? <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever do GHB? I never have. No, I never. I never got it to do GHB. Sounds really scary to me. Like one more drop and you die. I don't know if that's true. Although the, the high sounds great. The cl yes, the classic is uh, what's his face? Chris had his classic GHB story. Oh right, that was the, the gay raid. Blue Mountain Power Raid yeah. story. Anyway, welcome back to the show, Ray. Um, anything you want to say before we go again? That's it. That's it. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Toodles. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder what it do me any good Till I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood I want to be good 
so bad, so bad. But bad desires all I've ever had. Oh yeah. I wanna be good, so bad, so bad. Bad desires all I've ever had. Wanna take a ride up in the sky Watch those airplanes just pass me by I wanna see a Lear jet liner take a dive Just to show all of those people What it means to be alive Wanna be good so bad, so bad, bad desires all I've ever had. I wanna be good so bad, so bad, yeah, yeah. Bad desires all I've ever had. Shadows getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand My shadows getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds cause peace and love are very 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 hard to find and I want to be good so bad so bad, bad desires all I've ever had. I want to be good, so bad, so bad, yeah. Bad desires all I've ever had. It's 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 all I've ever had. All I've ever had, these suckers make me mad. I wanna call my dad, yes, yeah, all I've ever had. I wanna call my dad, these suckers make me mad. It's all I've ever had. It's all I've ever had. It's all I've ever had.